listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 Oh, yes, living the dream once again on a fabulous Saturday. This is Fox Sports Saturday. Harbin and Schwartz with you. All right, we got a lot to do today. We're eight days away from Selection Sunday. We got the NFL Combine going on right now. Ron Holt for Major League Baseball. NBA is coming down the stretch. Playoffs around the corners. So we got a lot of things to cover today. John Paul Morosi of the MLB Network is going to be joining us here in about 15 minutes. Get his read on when are we going to see Major League Baseball. But, Jeff, I'm going to jump right into this right now because I got some really good news for you. I got some really good news for you. Uh, yes. Aaron Rodgers has deals in place right now for the Packers to contemplate. Are you ready for this now? Uh, I know that you've been very concerned about the mental health of Aaron Rodgers. He has Denver, Tennessee, and Pittsburgh on hold. Apparently, the compensation packages have already been discussed. They've already been agreed upon. It's now up to the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers to decide his destiny for the 2022 season. So do you feel better right now knowing that Aaron Rodgers, four-time NFL MVP, is going to be well taken care of. Well, it warms my heart to know that Aaron Rodgers hasn't made his mind up yet, which is the same thing that was said last week and the week before that and the week before that and what was said all last summer. And where do you end up? Uh, back with the Packers. Um, you know, yesterday we were watching the NFL combo. It's on right now. The coverage just began for today. It's defensive linemen, linebackers working out today. Yesterday it was offensive linemen, running backs. The day before that was, I think, wide receivers, quarterbacks, uh, tight ends. And, you know, we were talking a lot about the, the in, you know, the incoming draft hopefuls, right? We spent a lot of time in the NFL world discussing the numbers. It was very fast in Indianapolis the first day. Numbers seemed to be adjusted. You know, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and, the kid from TCU, and oh my God, look how fast these guys are running. And and for about 24 hours, no one talked about Aaron Rodgers, right? No one said, no one mentioned his name. And said, so of course, we had to get an Aaron Rodgers report in the middle of primetime last night on a Friday night. You're watching the offensive lineman work out. Guess what? There's an Aaron Rodgers story to report that he hasn't made his mind up yet. This guy cannot go. 24 hours without attention, man. For someone who claims he does not want the attention, does not want the media spotlight. He makes sure we talk about him a lot, right? It makes he, he sure he, he makes sure that we discuss where he's going, where he's going to end up, his mental state, and whatnot. Very often, for someone who claims he doesn't want us to be in his life, like I'm tired of it, dude. This guy has not been to Super Bowl in, in going into his 12th season in a row now, right? Um, like he's a great player. Don't get me wrong; he deserved the MVP last year, in my opinion. But this is just getting exhausting. Like, if you're the Packers, I, I know you want him back. And I think I, I don't think they're going to trade him again. I said that last year as well. Like, the drama is not its not panning out in victories, man. It's panning out in regular season victories. 39 games last three years. Most games won a three-year span by an NFL team who has not made a Super Bowl. Um, it's just, it's nonstop with this guy. Dude. All right, well, I'm well, well, tired well, Jeff. of it. Well, okay, I understand you're tired of it. Let's get back to, of course, the Packers won him back. Do they? I mean, you just brought up the fact that for more than a decade, they've had Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback and have not made a trip to the Super Bowl. Not since the 2010 season. Over the last three years, they've been the one seed the last couple of years, and they couldn't get there. And you can't excuse Aaron Rodgers from those losses. He did not play well against the 49ers. 
in this home loss. This was everything was lined up for the Packers to get it done this past season, and he came up short. Look, they're way over the cap right now. They have made it clear that the Devontae Adams situation is completely separate of Aaron Rodgers. In other words, they can franchise Devontae Adams if they can't get a long-term deal in place. But none of that's going to happen if they have to somehow sweeten the pot for Aaron Rodgers. Now, again, there are sources saying that Rodgers has already lined up deals with the Broncos, the Steelers, and the Titans. Three AFC teams. They don't infringe on the Packers situation. The trade compensation compensation has been set up. And he's received permission from the Packers to actually do so. So if all of this is true, that means the Packers are interested to see what other teams have to offer. You have a young quarterback in Jordan Love. He's not Aaron Rodgers now. But Aaron Rodgers wasn't Brett Favre when he took over. But if you have enough pieces in place and if they can get a substantial package in return, which, by the way, will probably include a quarterback from any one of these teams, young quarterback or something along those lines, then why wouldn't you pull the trigger if you're the Packers? You had chances with Aaron Rodgers, certainly over the last three years, and he came up short. Could you say at age 39 39 next season, it is time to turn the page? If you're the Packers right now, you got a young coach, Matt LaFleur. He's feeling pretty good about himself. Most wins ever by a head coach in his first three seasons as an NFL coach. I'm sure he's gained confidence that, you know what? I could be okay. Maybe we'll take a temporary step backwards, but I'm looking at the future here. The future is not Aaron Rodgers. If we can get a substantial deal done, with a team outside of our conference, why not? Well, I think that, I think that the, the determining factor is, is twofold here. One is how good do you think Jordan Love is, right? Because that's a big part. So you have a team now, especially if you re-sign uh, Devonta Adams, that's ready to win now, right? And, and with with the players, you know, with the offensive line you have, skill guys, defensive guys, like you're you're built to win now, and and. Is Jordan Love that guy? You draft him to be that guy, right? That's also that's part of this. And, and two, I think, are you tired? Like, if if you just say, you know what, we're going to give Rodgers a, a two year deal. Let's just say he has one year left, right? We'll give him a two year deal. Do you do this again next offseason? Like, are are they just tired of doing this each year? And to to your point. You're not getting those championships, right? So you can put up with drama when you're winning championships or getting there close every year. The problem becomes obviously when you stop winning championships and stop being competitive in the playoffs, then the drama doesn't feel worth it. And so if you're the Packers, you say, you know what? We're just not getting enough out of this. Let's go to Jordan Love. Let's get a bunch of draft picks. But then the Devontae Adams want want to stay, right? Is he now the next person who's going to hold out and doesn't want to be there? I mean, now they, they can franchise tag him, but again, doesn't have to play under the tag. Um, so I think it's a it's a it's a difficult song. I think in their hearts of hearts, they want him back. I think they would want him back one more year. See if you can do it this season. And obviously, if you can't, you go to Jordan Love in year three. But this is like the last year to do it. Like this is the year to do it. If it's either now or never, and I think they would want him back for that. And again, I go back to uh, to Rogers. Like if he goes to Pittsburgh, I mean, you just you're, you're anywhere you go, Pittsburgh or uh, what were the other up? Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee t- was the one seed. I mean, if the if well, he went to Tannehill. Tennessee, if he went to Tennessee, and you're replacing Ryan Tannehill with Aaron Rodgers, you don't think that team's a threat to get to the Super Bowl? I I do. Um, but again, I, I go back to this. 
at what point do we say, you know what, some of the playoff losses are on Rodgers? Like I'd say point, all of them are because he's part of every one of those losses. So, so are we guaranteed he's no, going to the play? No, absolutely not. You, not. not. But, but, but I Tennessee would say this, though. Tennessee would de- from Tannehill. Well, they do, and Tannehill was a big part of why uh, they did not uh, follow their path, uh, Destiny. Uh, I mean, go back to their game against the Bengals. They had the ball, right? They were. It was what it was a tie game. They had the ball, and what happened? Tannehill throws an interception. Bengals get an opportunity. They cash in and moved on. Um, no, I think that's the one team out there because uh, I, I think we're both fans of Mike Vrabel and what he's done at Tennessee. They have a solid defense. They have a devastating running back in Derrick Henry. They have a good offensive line, uh, and they have a mediocre quarterback. Now, all of a sudden, you get one of the elite quarterbacks. Wow. I mean, I I would love to see the Vegas odds on Tennessee if Aaron Rodgers became their quarterback. I would think they would uh, skyrocket to the top of the list. Right now in the NFC, let's say let, let, let's say the NFC for a second. Right. Um, who who is a a rival um, a rival quarterback to him currently playing the NFC? Like if you were to if you were to Tom rank Brady. quarterbacks, well, I mean he's got, we assume Tom Brady's back on the on the Niners, right? In that situation, um, <laughs> right? Well, Tom Brady's not in the NFL right now. So who is better than Aaron Rodgers in like who's his challenger in the NFC right now? Nobody. Like, I mean, I mean, okay, nobody. There, there. You get people talk about a Dak Prescott. Yeah, people uh, might even I'll say, see, I'll you I'll know, see. Matthew Stafford got elevated to Hall of Fame status by people after well, they won course, the Super yeah. Bowl. That was so. that was that's a little that was a little much. Okay, so you know, Kyler no one, Murray. Right? Okay, sure. Um, I'm, I'm Russell I if Wilson. Gonna, I wonder if he wants more attention. He'll write another. How about letter, Russell uh, Wilson? Uh, not right now. I, I think that. I, I, yeah, I mean, in theory, yeah. I mean, he, he can be that good. He didn't play, obviously, that well last season. But, y- yes, he one of those guys that you'd say, yeah, can definitely be part of that um, of, of that discussion. But my point in saying all this is that in the AFC conference, you have now Pat mm-hmm. Mahomes yep. and Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. That's right. <laughs> like, if you go to the AFC, it is tougher for you in the AFC. Mm-hmm. If your goal is to win – then you stay in Green Bay. If your goal is to win, but kind of just, I guess, do it your own way, and I guess you're going to somewhere else. Pittsburgh's an interesting option. Obviously, you play in a tough division, but you know you'll be supported on defense um, at least. Um, but Pittsburgh doesn't feel like a mercenary, like a one-year, two-year rental type of place. It's not really what they've done no. over the years. The only Pittsburgh- team on that list that makes sense to me is Tennessee. It's yeah, not with Pittsburgh, yeah. it's not Denver. I, uh, I don't see either one of those teams making a mighty leap with Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback. I don't I don't either. I'm, so I'm, I'm with you on that one. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I, I just don't, again, I continue to say this until proven otherwise. I just don't see him leaving. All right. I, on the, I, I don't see it. Okay, well, you have much more NFL we're going to get to later on the show. Once again, packed day today because a lot of things going on. When are we going to see Major League Baseball? What is the latest from the Major League Baseball Network, MLB Network? John Paul Morosi will join us coming up next. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. 
Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Steve Arbin, Jeff Schwartz, this is Fox Football Saturday. We're going to call it Fox Football Saturday most of the time. I mean, in reality, it's Fox Sports Saturday. John Paul Morosi is going to be joining us momentarily. By the way, we're brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. Every game, match, race, and competition, it is always on. Wherever you root for, whatever sports you love to watch, the biggest games are even bigger in Vegas. So make sure to plan your trip today at visitlasvegas.com. By the way, this April 28th through the 30th, Vegas will be hosting the 2022 draft, which is the event will be unlike any other with unparalleled energy and excitement that only the greatest arena on earth can deliver. The best part is now through March 13th, we're giving away a trip for two to be part of the energy and excitement. That's right. You and the lucky person of your choosing can win a trip to Vegas during draft weekend, which is April 28th through the 30th sponsored by the Las Vegas convention and visitors authority. The prize package includes round trip airfare to Vegas Hotel stay on the strip, access to Fox Sports Radio's draft broadcast and more. To enter and get rules, visit foxsportsradio.com. That's foxsportsradio.com to win a trip to Vegas during draft weekend. And uh, I, by the way, uh, you know, for the first time ever, uh, they have fans paying to see the combine here, Jeff. It's not the, fir- it's not the first time. It's the first time since COVID, I think. All right. They started so, doing this before COVID. But then, now they yeah. want to go next level. So, in other words, those in attendance in Indianapolis this year have a chance to to win trips to uh, the Super Bowl. Uh, and they put out the alert to every team in the yeah. league. Hey, if you want to start hosting the combine, have at it. So, it should uh, stay in Indy, man. It has to stay in Indy. Indy's the perfect place for one of these events. Everything's centrally located. It's yes. all in downtown. You can walk. There's great food everywhere. That's a great thing um, about Indy. It, it's a it's a it's a very good host city. But but very quickly though, we need to we need to show some love to a certain individual who's running today. Jordan Davis, the big old defensive tackle. Yes. from Georgia. Yeah. Okay. He is six seven and a half, three hundred forty one pounds. That's the official he, official number. Well, that, yeah. That he pro- played at three sixty this year. Right. Um, are you watching the combine by any chance? I am. You... I am watching the oh, yeah. uh, the big guys um, doing their forty so, yard. Did you happen to see what his forty time was? I did not. Yeah, it's it's four eight two, at three hundred forty one pounds. Uh, let's That's see. not allowed. That should not be allowed. You should not be allowed to run that fast at that size. No, and but I mean, what does that exactly mean? I mean, to translate so, this well, to okay, us. Okay, so okay, really, you have a defensive lineman that basically is in the middle of your defense. He's not going to move more than a few feet. So, what value do we okay, have in well, what he runs in the forty? I'll, I'll tell you. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you the reason why this is impressive. It's not even the the top end speed that, that's impressive uh, to me. It's the ten yard split. So you know they measure. 10 yards, well, they really, if you notice, they measure 5, 10, 20, and 40, okay? Right. And really the 10 is what we get as a pub, but the 5 stays internal. But the 10 is is the burst, right? Burst. And when you're playing defensive line, offensive line, that burst is very important, right? Often it translates to how well your hips and your feet and your power is generated, right? Hips, knees, ankles, feet, your you know, how you, you propel your body forward with those parts. And so that's a very important that to me is almost more important than the 40. It was one six eight. You know, if you're a good offensive lineman, you're under 1.8 at this. He's under 1.7. That's very impressive. You're right. The top end speed, the last 20 yards, I mean, unless he's running with the football, he'll never have to do that, right? At this speed ever again. 
But again, the 10 yard split is impressive, but just tells you he's an athlete. And we talk about the combine, like what do these numbers mean? And to me, it's about cross checking what you see in the field. For example, Jordan Davis. Dude is powerful on the field. He's a freak show on the field. His film is exactly what a four a four eight two looks like, right? Like so there's he he checked the box. Boom. Looks like his film. Done. Move it along. It, it, I'll explain all this later because we have a we have a guest. I want to get back to what the combine means. It's important to talk about this. All right, uh, we'll get back to the combine, but right now let's focus in on when are we going to see Major League Baseball joining us right now from the MLB Network, also does NHL Network. Our dear friend John Paul Morosi, JP. I feel like it's been forever since I spoke to you. Um, <laughs> it's been at least like 24 or 48 hours, right? right? Exactly. Uh, well, I got Jeff here with me today. I, I'm going to cut to the chase right now. We'll get into some of the specifics on, you know, some of the uh, bridges we have to cross to get there. But, you know, I keep hearing two possible dates for the launch of the new season. One of them is April 15th. It was a Jackie Robinson Day. This was going to be a major year because it's the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson's Major League debut. That's one possibility. Others say May 1st because April, if anything, is really a throwaway month for Major League Baseball because after opening day, you got bad weather, you got diminished crowds, kids are still in school. So, could we be looking at either one of those days, in your opinion, as the start date for the 2022 season? Steve, I think both are certainly possible. Uh, number one, my, my hope, my expectation, my dream, to use that word, is, is that we will have baseball on Jackie Robinson Day. As you point out, the 75th anniversary of the day that he debuted the major leagues and changed our country forever. So from that standpoint... I think it's going to be a shame if we don't have baseball on April 15th, a regular season schedule. May 1, to your point, from an economic standpoint, might be the one that ends up uh, being uh, the date that makes the most sense from a dollars and cents perspective. I also think that the criticism that has followed the breakdown in talks last week, or this past week, I should say, perhaps could bring everybody back to the table a little bit sooner. We have seen reports, the union working on a counterproposal. I do expect that we'll see some more substantive conversations around the beginning part of this coming week. And and we have to just kind of see how quickly things evolve from there. But, Steve, to your point, uh, there are some pretty special days coming up, none more special, none more important than April 15th because of the reason that you just mentioned. So with the the counterproposal by the MLB, I mean by the players, supposedly, uh, tomorrow, I I, I just – I'm – can you, can you explain how we got here the last couple of days? Because it was reported that we were close to having a deal, then we weren't, and now we're obviously not talking canceling games. How did we get to a point where there wasn't just a continued back and forth without a cancellation of games? Well, it's a very fair question, and I, a couple things. Number one, for the, for the deadline to have credibility, it, it would have looked perhaps a little strange to – then have the very next day everybody come back and and renegotiate and find a deal. I think that just from a standpoint of strategy and negotiating posture, leverage, it would have been surprising on either side after all the effort that they had put in uh, to then fall short to be able to strike that deal one day later. I think the other point of that is there was legitimately a difference of opinion between the parties as to how close they were. I think maybe uh, a lot of us who were following uh, and covering the situation perhaps misread some of the optimism that happened on, on Monday night 
ahead of that deadline. And obviously they were probably never as close as they seemed on that particular day. The other thing I would say is the grounds of a compromise exist, especially if you believe the reports from the the last couple of days that the union is interested or at least willing to go to a 14-team playoff format. If they are, then the revenue expansion from that format could actually allow MLB to move up where that uh, competitive balance tax threshold is going to be and somehow find a way to get a compromise between the sides. So, uh, yes, it's frustrating to have another week of games lost. Yes, uh, they're now effectively up to another deadline of, of Monday if you want to avoid not having another week of regular season baseball games taken away. But it, it is one of those hurry-up-and-wait circumstances for all the fans. But I do know that the sides, I, I think, are looking at the next week ahead to really be a crucial time to make sure that at the very least playing games on April 15th is still a possibility. You know, everyone keeps talking about this, you know, ceiling, uh, not a hard cap, but, you know, approaching that. Like, uh, you know, the the ceiling on how much money teams can spend. I've never understood this. I asked you about this uh, the other day, JP, about why are they focused more on the teams that aren't spending money? I mean, we had a, a few teams that went over $200 million in payroll in 2021. There were three teams that spent less than $30 million in payroll last year. Less than $30 million. Why aren't they focused on raising the bottom of the barrel? Because we know all these teams are making money. There's no such thing as a small market team. They're just small spending teams. The San Diego Padres proved that. So why aren't they more focused on teams that are not spending money rather than those at the top that are spending money? Well, it's a very fair question, Steve. And Interestingly, there was initially some conversation around the option of having a, a salary floor, but the union opted to not pursue it because they feared that it could lead to a salary cap on the top end from a thematic standpoint or at least a, a philosophical one. And so that possibility has gone away, but you're right. Uh, you look around the game and what is the greater problem? A team like the Dodgers or Padres who is spending – above the luxury tax threshold or those, to your point, that are at the bottom end of it. And I, I think, at least my hope is, that depending on how the revenue-sharing structure goes moving forward, that at least you're going to find some way to incentivize the, the, play, the teams on the lower end to spend more money. And maybe, maybe that just by having the, the uncoupling of draft picks from free agent signings, that that in and of itself could stimulate some spending because teams many times are not signing free agents because they don't want to give up the pick due to the rules in which the ability to spend on the draft is tied to each individual pick and the slot allocation for that pick. So while we are focused a lot, and appropriately so, on the competitive balance tax here, there are a lot of other secondary aspects of this CBA proposal on the MLB side that I actually think are quite player-friendly and could in time work to level the, balance, level the playing field a bit from a standpoint of competitive balance. Sticking with the competitive balance for for another another second. So, um, you know, the, their offers for the competitive balance were basically 
what, 1% increase year over year, 3% one year, less than 1%. Was it so egregiously terrible because they want to use that to negotiate other points of the CBA? Because, like, come on. I mean, that was a, a ludicrous offer to offer the players to raise the competitive balance tax 1% when the league is going to make way more than 1% in a given season. Well, and that's a fair point in terms of what the step increases could be. And, and the, the MLB offer did get up to $220 million uh, per year in the first year, which is, again, $18 million lower than what the union proposed for the first year. I think they will find a way to come together a little bit on that number, if only because you look at the big picture here, and that number only really affects a half a dozen teams in terms of the way they spend either just above it or just below it. And, and the point that I think is just necessary to underscore here is that is an entirely discretionary number. You don't have to spend at that level. And you look at the big picture here, I think I mentioned this to Steve the other day, the Kansas City Royals have won as many championships in the last 10 years as the Dodgers and Yankees combined. You do not have to spend up to the luxury tax threshold to win in Major League Baseball I think it's important to point out that that's one aspect, just one mere point of what the CBA is and probably allows uh, maybe a larger conversation to happen. As, as you hear, but my daughter weighing in with some very, very significant concerns on the CBA right now. Yeah, she's looking for answers, JP, and I don't blame her. She's frustrated. I know she wants to get out to see her favorite Padres. I know she is a big Padres right. fan out there. Uh, uh, a, a young Padres fan. A young Padres sure. fan. Uh, JP, let me ask you this. Uh, strength in numbers. Uh, usually what happens when both sides seem to be locked in is there a fracture within the rank. Everyone seems to always focus in on the players, but just how unified are these owners right now to go the distance and ultimately get where they want? Are there owners out there that are knocking on the doors of the hardliners saying, hey, let's get something done? Right. Well, I think, Steve, it's a very interesting case study because both among the owners and the players, there could be some schisms. And let's, let's start with the owners. We saw the report from The Athletic in the last couple of days that four of them were not even comfortable offering 220. So that tells you how much of a divergence there is within the ownership uh, group in and of itself. And, and bear in mind, any proposal that is ratified, to, to use that term, has to be accepted and approved by two-thirds of the teams. So I, I think that one thing that has to be said here is that while Commissioner Manfred certainly has gotten criticism uh, from different corners of the sport, the, the reality is he can only negotiate a proposal that the that a supermajority of owners would support. And he, he might actually have in his own mind some ideas that would have long ago led to a deal, but he can't put them out there unless they're supported by two-thirds of the clubs. And so I think that's where they're at right now. They're, they're trying to find where that – where that common point is, there's no question that there's a, there is robust disagreement philosophically and functionally between the large market teams and the small market teams. The question is, where is that number in the middle where, where, the, young, where the smaller teams feel like they can still compete and the larger market clubs feel as though perhaps they're not being compelled or forced, certainly they're not being forced, but not being compelled to spend more money than they feel like they should. I think there is probably, I would say this, we've already perhaps seen more fishers among, at least publicly, the owner side than the player side. The player side, anecdotally, what people have told me, this group is as united as we have seen the players 
in a very, very long time, and, and they seem to have been preparing for this for a while, and, and missing their first paychecks uh, does not appear to have rattled them at this juncture. Last question from me. Uh, Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, does himself no favors with his press conferences. You know, I, I obviously cover the NFL. People do not like Goodell, but he wins his press conferences. He says what he has to say. He takes the ball for the owners. He's professional. Why, why can't Rob Manfred win any of these press conferences? Man, He looks every time he's smiling. He's not answering the questions, doesn't feel prepared. What's up with him sometimes in front of the podium? You know, it's a fair question. I, I certainly can't speak to what, what those preparations are like that he has prior to his press conferences. I, I, I do think that he is probably having some difficulty rectifying both, A, the pressure that is on him, and, B, trying to wed together all the different perspectives within the ownership group. He has a very tough job, I think much more so than the other sports, because whether it's Goodell or, or, or Bettman, Silver, with the cap, there's just less of a spread in those sports that, that he has to explain for. Uh, I, I think in, in here in baseball, Manfred has to find some way to explain how the Dodgers operate here, the Padres operate here, and then you have the Oakland A's in the same state operating at this, at this point, or the Cleveland Guardians at this point. There are, there are a lot of different teams with a vast amount of, of unique needs and, and fi- frankly, their financial ability or willingness to spend. And I think that, to me, is, is a huge question that Rob Manfred has to face all the time. And I frankly think it would be uncomfortable and difficult for anybody to try to explain why we don't have baseball right now. And I think just, it's probably the least favorite part of his job, but it's the one that right now is front and center in the media scope. JP, you know how much we appreciate your time, but you have a daughter to take care of right now. She has demands. <laughs> You've got to get to I do not want to I do not want her to get upset. I mean, she's already upset there's a delay in the baseball season. She does not need to be upset with her father as well. So uh, I, I, I appreciate it, Steve and Jeff. And certainly she wants to see Machado and Tati yes. with the new Bob Melvin managed Padres. I mean, she's she's got some high expectations on how the Friars are going to look this year, my friend. She so loves the Brown. Anytime. She loves Thank the Brown. So I know that. All right, JP. Uh, John Paul Morosi, as always, we appreciate his time. All right. Uh, obviously a little long because, well, he has a lot to say. We'll get some more on the other side. But right now, let's find out what's trending as we turn our attention to the one, the only, Mr. David Gascon. David. Wow. Just, just watching your um, watching the couple teaser trailers on your, uh, on your upcoming show. The uh, winning time show on HBO, which I'll be featured, my voice. Uh, yeah. In episodes four and five, is getting a lot of hype. It debuts tomorrow. No, so it's only your voice. You weren't a part of the fraternizing between hotel rooms and whatnot. <laughs> no, sure. Well, no, no, no. Here's the deal. <laughs> Jim Hack, who was the co-creator of this show, yeah, a dear friend. I have literally been a part of this show since he first had the idea for this show. Yeah. Let's put it that way. I shared a number of stories with him of either my own personal stories going back to those days or stories I was knowledgeable of, and many have, have actually found their way into the actual Winning Time show. you got to so, write a book, man. Well, I, I feel don't know like about that. But. I feel like you're cheating us. <laughs> well, on my, on my uh, Monday through Friday show, we now have a segment called Ask Steve Anything Yeah. on Friday, so i actually been revealing a lot of things on my radio show. Does so. that mean I could call... And by Certain the way, they're, they're always person. Yeah, you can. And when I say ask anything, I mean 
anything. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh boy. Anything. Yeah. Oh that. <laughs> oh yeah. boy. Yeah. Well, that, that's in fact that's the majority of the questions. So. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, guys, uh, it's a full menu today in college basketball. Obviously, everything coming to a close with the conference tournaments right around the corner. Texas Tech leading at Oklahoma State, 49-41. Number six, Kansas is in a tight one with uh, 21st-ranked Texas, 24-23. Earlier today, Auburn won. Number seven, Kentucky won. Purdue barely squeaked by Indiana, 69-67. Villanova hammered Butler. Tennessee nearly blew a 21-point lead. Arkansas still prevailed. LSU beats 25th-ranked Alabama in overtime. Later on today, you get Arizona Cal, UConn DePaul, Baylor, and Ohio Star Iowa State. Do you guys see the 40-yard the time for Brees Hall? No, what did the Iowa State guy go? The Cyclone. I believe it was like 439. I think wow. it was, yeah. yeah pretty, wow. Pretty solid. Wow. So, um, I'm looking for Can anyone with Iowa run that fast? Has anyone ever run that fast as <laughs> part of the Hawkeyes program? Ever? Uh, only one guy would know that, Iowa Sam. I was too busy looking for my Brees Lightning song. I'll oh find boy. it. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um Duke in North Carolina. I've I've seen and I've heard some some sales on ticket prices, guys. Oh. Final one for Coach K. They they uh, hung out for a week outside uh, Cameron Indoor. Yeah. That's like worse than Best Buy after Thanksgiving, right? A month? Uh, no, I'm sorry. A month they've been camping out. Yeah. To get in. Here's the uh, here's the all important question. Yeah. Do your Bruins finally beat the Trojans tonight? Yes, we'll beat the Trojans tonight at Pauly. Of course, they will. They'll be the make them the two C behind Arizona in the conference tournament. That's what, do you what mean, it's of safe. course. They've lost five in a row, haven't they'll, they? They'll beat them. They'll beat Mick, them. Has ne- Mick has never beaten them. Man, know, that's okay. They're eight point favorites tonight at Pauly. Yeah, and they should be. Well, I mean, I don't know. That's damn well. We have to get healthy. I mean, they've been saving all their players. Is down everyone the stretch. playing tonight? Uh, I'm gonna guess. I, I'm gonna guess. Ju Zhang's gonna be out there. So Cronin still hasn't beaten uh, USC. Yeah, that that's correct. what Jeff Thank just said. Thanks oh, did for he? listening. Oh, I was yeah, Sam. Yeah, awesome, right. everyone. I was Sam turning into a national radio show. <laughs> yeah, turning in and turning yeah. out. Thank you, um, guys. Speaking of healthy, Zion Williamson gonna play anytime soon. He's cleared now for basketball related activities. You think they would have better off had they drafted Ja Morant? Oh man, he's been awesome. Of, uh, Zion Williamson. I don't know. I mean, I know, was it Monday night when he decimated the Spurs? Unbelievable. For 52? Unbelievable. It wasn't just the points. Yeah, it's the how bl- he got the yeah, points. It was the dunk. Unbelievable. The half court, or not half court, but the buzzer beer before the end of the first that half. That was crazy, though. Who plays first, Ben Simmons or Zion Williamson? Mm. Zion. Yeah? Yeah. I don't know what's going on with Ben Simmons. There's, I mean, we talk about mental problems and a lot of things there, and I'm going to respect that. But, yeah. no, I think we'll see Zion first. All right. Fair enough. Uh, that's that's it for now. I know you guys got into some uh, some quarterback talk. Yes, yes, um, yes. You guys hear about what's going on with Formula One by any chance? No. They had terminated another contract for Nikita uh, Mazpin, who was a Russian driver, and also uh, terminated the contract of his title sponsor in wake of Russia's ongoing invasion of Ukraine. So no Russian drivers this season driving in Formula One. Yeah, those uh, Russians that are in the sports community are paying the price. Yeah. No question. Even the kids. Even the kids. Uh, Very unfortunate, to say the least. Uh, All right, uh, Mr. Gascon, I always appreciate that. Uh, By the way, uh, I was uh, just getting back to John Paul Morosi for a moment here. Uh, He always uh, talks about he's a Michigander, and he's a diehard Michigan fan. Uh, And he would thought, well, he went to the University of Michigan. He didn't, uh, Jeff. He actually slummed. He went to Harvard. He's a Harvard graduate, but never mentions it. 
Like it's like almost like an embarrassment. Like I, okay, I went to Harvard, but I'm a Michigan guy, and um, uh, never mentions that. Well, I, I did not know that about him. Now, <laughs> yeah. now I'll be able to bring it up to him. Um, he seems optimistic things will happen sooner yeah. or later. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I just I think baseball, it, the damage is already done, right? Um, mm-hmm. They're going to come back and, and they'll miss a couple weeks probably. But the perception that Rob Manfred and the ownership doesn't care about the fans is not going to change with a new deal. I feel like this is one of the, at least on social media, which is the way I can judge these things. I, I'm not talking to random baseball fans in, in flyover states about about the baseball, but um, you know that uh, that it feels like the ownership and people said this don't care about the play uh the players and don't care about baseball that's that's what the media is running with and i'm not sure a deal is going to change very much of that and we talked about this i think last week right what an arbitrary like if they get this done tomorrow let's just say it's done tomorrow you can still start on March 31st. Yes, you can. I mean, and, and, and by and the so way, it, it just, even it's, if, a, it's so bad. Yeah, all these games that are supposedly canceled. Look, they can also extend the season if they have to an extra week. Don't believe what you read in like these first two series are canceled. Um, if they can get a deal done, they'll make up those games as quickly as possible. All right, because a little long with JP on the other side, we're going to get back to some of the big developments out of the NFL Combine coming up next. All right, you see what you see what Iowa Sam's trying to do. He's trying to promote Brees Hall, the Iowa State All-American running back. Broke 4-4 in the 40 today. I don't see anybody having him as a first-round pick. By the way, this is Fox Football Saturday. We're calling Football Saturday now because we're talking some football. Harbin and Schwartz, by the way, if cold candidate calls aren't turning into hot hiring leads, then you need Indeed because Indeed's powerful hiring platform makes it easy to attract, screen, and interview candidates all from one place. Find your next great hire visiting Indeed.com slash credit. Well, that's pretty much what the combine is right now. You're screening, interview trying to attract candidates to join your team. So how much of what are the, I mean, these 40 times you were talking earlier about the big guy, uh, Jordan Davis uh, running uh, a 4.8-something in the 40 at 340 pounds. What does this all mean, Jeff? So so to me, it is a cross-check of what you watch on film. So, Steve, if I were to, to watch you on film, mm-hmm. and I would be like, you know what? Steve is, you know, he's a he's a good athlete, but not not a great athlete. Good yeah. athlete, but not a great athlete. And um, you get to the combine, and you perform really well in the physical drills. And I have to go back and watch the film, and be like, why is he fast in Indianapolis, running through the bags as they're doing right now? Jaden Peavy from Texas A and M go through the bags, and. So you go back about what? What did I miss on film? Is he just a, does he just play a little inconsistent? Is he hesitating because he doesn't know what to do? Why is, why does he play slow? Okay, or you know the the opposite can happen, right? You know Jeff Schwartz plays really fast on the field. No one ever said that about me, but I play really fast on the field, and then I run slow at the combine. I move poor at the combine. Why is that, right? What why why does he look good on film but slow on the combine? Indianapolis, like it's just cross checked. And if there's a hundred points that make up a hundred data points that make up a draft picks profile, this is two of the hundred, right? It's a small portion of it, but to me, it's a it's a cross check for what scouts see with their eyes all right but here's the thing that has baffled me for years because the last time i checked when you're on the field you're not in shorts okay why aren't these drills all performed (laughs) including the 40 yard dash in full uniform why 
Well, I, I think that, you know, it's it's almost like understood that's part of it, right? And if here's the deal, though. You do this every year, right? And it's never in pads. So you can understand everything. Each, I'll, I'll, I'll put it like this. You know, because it's because it's the same every year, you can always compare. You can always compare and contrast, right? If one year you put the pads on, you basically have to start from scratch because everything is different now because you changed the format of the combine. So at least you know you know, Jordan Davis's time compared to someone else's time and vice versa. All right, uh, coming up, we're going to have much more on the NFL Combine because we got a lot of stories out of Indianapolis, including the size of people's hands. Also, March Madness is right around the corner. We bring you all the latest. Keep it right here on Fox Sports Saturday. All right, rolling on here, Fox Sports Saturday. Hartman and Schwartz with you. Yeah, we got a lot of things going on. We are eight days away from Selection Sunday. We're going to have much more on the big games coming up today in college basketball. Of course, conference tournaments will be next week. Uh, and a lot of it, not so much about teams making the tournament, but seating absolutely on the line. So we get into some of that. Uh, we are talking plenty, though, about the combine going on today adam kaplan is going to be joining us later live from indianapolis uh we don't know if indianapolis is going to be the permanent home apparently the nfl has other thoughts but perhaps the biggest or should we say the smallest story to come out of the combine was the hand size of kenny pickett the uh, quarterback out of Pitt? uh many projected be the number one quarterback in this draft of course a heisman finalist had a phenomenal senior season at the university of pittsburgh so i i wanted to get I wanted to look up like, you know, hand size, you know, with quarterbacks. I, I found a list of all the quarterbacks that have had at least 10 inch. Now, Pickett jumped in at eight and a half inches, right? And remember, Jared Goff was a guy that uh, just had nine inches. Um, but I, hand I see size. hand, hand size. size. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I was thanks for that clarification. Yeah. And uh, but I was looking at the, the largest hands of quarterbacks in NFL history. And it's really an amazing mix of, you know, big time quarterbacks and guys who were absolutely awful. By the way, the largest hands ever measured by an NFL quarterback ever is a guy, the only guy to actually top 11 inches in hand size, 11 and a quarter. And that was the immortable Jim Drunkenmiller. Yes, Jim Drunkenmiller, who had a cup of coffee with the 49ers years ago, 11.25 inches, did not translate into any success in the NFL. But on the other side, how about this? Did you know that Russell Wilson at 5'11 has larger hands than either one of the Manning brothers? Oh, boy, that's... Huh. Sorry, Manning. Uh, and by the You're way, a current it. NFL quarterback's largest hands uh, to a quarterback, Dak Prescott. But there are okay. other guys out there. Like I said, you can go down this list of uh, immortal, immortal quarterbacks. You know, and Mark Sanchez, big hands. Uh, Cody Kessler, there's another big hand guy. Ryan Fitzpatrick, huge hands, by the way, huge hands. But there's a Ryan Mallett. There's a Heath Schuler. Uh, you look at some of these names out there. Why is this such a point to be made as far as hand size is concerned with quarterbacks why are why are people talking about like this was the biggest story so far to come out of this combine well most often uh you know small hands don't translate well to the nfl uh because it's about gripping the ball and holding on to the ball when you're sacked and throwing the ball in 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 weather the thing about kenny pickett though is that 
He's been playing in Pittsburgh in a bad weather city. Now, you can make the argument, and I think it's very fair to say, you know, that he's playing in that city not often in bad weather, right? They're not playing past Thanksgiving. You know, the NFL season this year ended, you know, January 13th or 9th or whatever it was. So, um, but it, it just it correlates to lots of fumbles a lot of times. Guys just can't hold on to the ball. And again, pushing the ball down the field. Now, is it a deal breaker? No. But if you already did not like Kenny Pickett, this is this could be a way to be like I, I'm not doing this. And there are teams, by the way, who strictly go off these numbers. Now I think that's lessening as younger general managers are moving into those positions. But there are some teams that say, "Look, I want my guys to be this exact measurement or better. If they're not, they're just off our draft board, or we're just trying to draft them high in the draft." Right? If you have Kenny Pickett, a first round guy, you knock him down to second round guy, third round guy, whatever you feel the risk is necessary. But if you like Kenny Pickett. This doesn't. You don't care about this. It doesn't bother you, right? Um, again, if you don't like him, it's another reason not to like him. If you do like him, you be like, whatever. Small hands, he still throw the ball. Like it, 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 it. But but it is again. To be fair, it would be the smallest hand of any quarterback to ever be drafted in the first round. That is correct. By the way, Tua Tungabailoa has much larger hands than Joe Burrow. Okay, I'm just going to say. Joe a better quarterback. And he's a better quarterback out there. So, uh, you know. It's not, again, again, this is, I, 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 I go back to this, right? This is a, again, it's, these are minuscule data points in the grand scheme of things, right? For why you draft a quarterback. But again, it can be confirmation bias. It can be a reason to knock a guy, to bring a guy up. Right? So, again, we're talking about Jordan Davis a bunch. He might have made himself a bunch of money. There were guys last night running in the offensive line that made themselves some money. It, it's not the beyond all, but it's a big discussion because this is one thing that weirdly enough kind of coordinates or correlates with just being a bad quarterback if your hand's too small. By the way, Fox Sports Saturday is brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. Plan your trip today at visitlasvegas.com. All right, let, let's get back to some of these uh, numbers that you're talking about. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step back because, you know, I mean, I worked for an owner, Al Davis, that was obsessed with speed. I mean, he was absolutely obsessed with speed. In fact, as a PR guy, it was not uncommon why I'd be sitting in my office and somebody would come in and say, we need you out on the field, out on the practice field. And they would hand me a stopwatch. And what would be happening is they wanted to time guys in their 40s, but at intervals, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 yards. Yeah. And there I was, you know, like at the 10-yard mark, sitting there with a watch in my hand, like, okay, when do I, when do I push this? Uh, you know, you just give a good guess, like when they, when they pass you, you know, and I'm like, yeah. okay. Um, but he was obsessed with speed. Many times I've worked with T.J. Hushmanzada. I've told you this many, many times. He said as a Pro Bowl wide receiver, it's not how fast you run. It's how fast you can stop. That's a far better uh, look at uh, what effectiveness at least from the wide receiver position you have. John Ross, you know, all-time record holder, 4.22, catapulted him all the way to the number nine pick in the draft a few years ago. He's five years in the league. Yeah. He's averaged 10 yards or 10 receptions per season in the um, course of his career. So that's people, why I think I always feel like this yeah. is a crutch for some of these so-called uh, talent scouts. They said, well, the numbers said this guy was oh, going to be right. good. Instead of just evaluating, can the guy play yeah. football? You're 100% right. Again, there are teams that value this more than others. Um, There are teams that will look at this as a reason to bring a guy up or put a guy down. 
I'm with you. I'd rather watch the film. But there are, again, there are certain thresholds that people like to, to have to, to be met. Um, and uh, it is now a primetime event. It's at night, Saturday night, Friday night, Sunday night. It is a primetime event now to watch these guys running. And, you know, like right now they're doing these drills. At this point, I'm like, whatever. Like, I, I, I like the novelty of them running fast. That's about it. I mean, I've watched enough of these guys film. I, I, need, I don't need to see what they can do at the Underwear Olympics, at the Combine, running. Um, but it's good TV. You know, the NFL ratings will be better than the NBA, than NCAA basketball this weekend for guys just working out in their underwear. And they're not even doing a lot. Like, you know, they're 240s, show some position drills, and that's it. And, and, and people are enthralled by what they're watching right now. All right, I want to get to quarterbacks for a second here. All right, so there are three quarterbacks that are being mentioned as possible first-round picks, and this number can always increase because quarterbacks are always at a premium. Kenny Pickett with his small hands, Matt Corral. <laughs> Poor guy. And then there's Ugh. Malik Willis out of Liberty. Now, we've been talking about him for the better part of a year. He wowed a lot of people. He dropped a dime in there. It's like, okay, this guy's got a big-time arm. He played at Liberty. I mean, how do you evaluate someone – at that yeah. level of competition and try to project it to the next level. Because I'm looking at – I look at our buddy Bucky Brooks here. He's got uh, the Steelers. Look at him, Malik Willis at number 20 overall. Uh, a quarterback out of Liberty as their quarterback of the future. How much can you tell based on the competition that he played against? Uh, you, you really can't very much. I see this with, with small school quarterbacks. Look, they, they typically um, have to be very traits, tradey, right? So, you know, Malik Wills is big and physical and big arm and and looks good, you know, in his pads. And so all those things are very important. Obviously, he played in a lower level and his film at times was pretty rough. But you have all these tools and these traits and you think to yourself, hey, if I'm the Steelers, I have time to to you know to get a quarterback up to shape. I have time to work a quarterback into where he needs to be. If you're taking him to win right away, you're probably not doing it right. If you know you have a couple of years to let him grow into the position, then you have a chance to make this really work. So to me, it's about the trait stuff, right? Again, it's it's he has the best physical traits of any top quarterback. Yes, the film is not perfect, but there's plenty of quarterbacks, by the way, that have great film that are terrible. Pro quarterbacks, and it, it, again, it's all it's. There's no, to my, to me, there's not one way to do things, right? There's different ways to do things, um, and for you know Malik Wills, you're, you're looking at a guy like a Carson Wentz, right, at, at a lower level school who has the physical traits. He comes in, give him a, a little bit of time to work through it in the first year, and by year two, you have a very um, you know efficient quarterback with all his physical traits. All right, we're going to be hopscotching a lot again today because we got a lot of ground to cover. We'll get back to the combines. In fact, I got some questions about some other players out there and may, may have hurt or helped their stock at the NFL Combine. But on the other side, March Madness. Selection Sunday is just eight days away. Could we be heading to one of the most competitive tournaments of all time? Or are there only just a few schools at the top of the list that have a realistic shot of becoming national champions. We're going to break it down coming up next. Small hands.
Steve Harvin, Jeff Schwartz. This is Fox Sports Saturday. Hiring, heating up. Indeed's hiring platform makes it easy to track, screen, and interview candidates all in one place. Sponsor a post and instantly receive a short list of quality candidates on Indeed, whose resumes match your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. All right. A week from tomorrow will be Selection Sunday. Big day today uh, for Coach K uh, as he'll have his final home game at Cameron Indoor. Uh, taking on uh, it's North Carolina, right? Yeah. It is. Yeah, That's North correct. Carolina. So um, uh, they, the, uh, the students have been literally camping there for a month. Yeah, Not a week. It feels too much. It feels a, a, little, a month. A bit, it feels a little bit too much. Well, I mean, this. again, remember Cameron Indoor is what? 8,000, 9,000 yeah, 9, 8, 8, 9, 8, seats. Yeah. Um, and, of course, this is your neck of the woods. Um, by the way, it has been seven years since Coach K not only won his last championship, but the last yeah. time he actually made it to the Final Four. Uh, in recent years, of course, he started to jump on that one-and-done bandwagon. Remember the team, obviously, he had with Zion. That team came up short uh, of the Final Four. What, what are your, what's your guess here? Uh, you know, right now they're sitting at 26-4. and four. They had a great season. Uh, they have probably about a, a two-seed, maybe, if, with a couple upsets, maybe a one-seed. Uh, but what are your thoughts on – I'm really just Coach K. Because you've been in that neck of the woods for a while now. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Hall of Fame coach, one of the best to ever do it. I think that if you uh, don't like Duke, then you find a way to hate on him, right? It feels that way all over the place. I, I saw someone that, you know, there's a bunch of old Duke players at the game day. They just all bang on the floor at the same time to uh, to honor to honor Coach K. Um, uh, yeah, look, it's, it's time for him to go, obviously. He, he wants to get here. I, I think the bigger story is we're seeing coaches – older coaches especially, just not adapt well to the new landscape of college sports, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Coach K is not going to admit this, I think, publicly, but, you know, we've people have mentioned this, and I, I agree with, with what they mentioned, that, you know, he doesn't like the current landscape of, of football, which is, uh, I mean, basketball, I should say, which is NIL and transfer report. Now, he's embraced it. He has had transfers. He has done the one-and-done route. But all these old coaches, man, started coaching and coached for a very long time in the same sort of system and setup. Now it's changed. The power is now on the players. If you're a coach who's been at this for 25 years, and for 22 of those years, once you recruited someone to your campus, that was it. They weren't going anywhere. If they had to transfer, it was they had to sit out a year. They got lost in the shuffle. Now, if you're a coach, K or any coach, not just him, you have to recruit the players that are still on your roster to stay there, right? You're in a place like Duke. Not everyone's getting playing time, right? And and you have to while you're in the season, while you're practice. You have to massage the ego of players who aren't playing, so they stay for you. So you don't have three or four guys transfer out. And a lot of these coaches just don't want to do it. I don't blame them. It's different. And some coaches are built for that. Some are not. Um, and and that's why I think we're seeing some of these coaches, I guess everyone but like Jim Beheim, just decide to to, to move it along. We had, a, we had a coach retire. I know it's not really a national story, but you know, at Arizona State and the the women's basketball, she's been there like 25 years. We had her on our show yesterday on my Pat Tosh show. She kind of mentioned some of these things, like the changing landscape of, of college sports. And, and it's just, you know, it might not be for her anymore. And so... It, it, this is this is what it is. This is what and and older coaches have issues with that. 
Yeah, I, I don't. One thing about Coach K is, and look, his success speaks for itself. But you know, forty-two years at a school, uh, we're just not going to see that. I mean, although Bayheim's at forty-six years, it's hard to believe Bayheim. No, no, no. When Bayheim became the head coach of Syracuse, all right, his first season, Gerald Ford was still the president. That's how long Bayheim has been the yeah. head coach uh, at Syracuse. But, you know, there's a lot of money involved. Um, you know, when people talk about greatest of all time, and Coach K obviously is on the Mount Rushmore, I, I you know, look, I'm a UCLA guy, and I, I knew Coach Wooden. And people always talk about, well, you know, Coach Wooden couldn't have done in his day what they have to do today with the NCAA tournament. I, I like to remind people this. Imagine if the NCAA tournament was still the way it was back in those days where only the conference champions yep. actually got into the tournament. There were no second place, third place, fourth place. There were none of those. Every team that was in the tournament back in a in anywhere from a 25 to 32 team tournament was actually a conference champion. And when we talk about the all-time records and you're playing against these elite schools, the one record that still blows my mind about John Wooden at UCLA is not the 88 game winning streak. It's 38 straight wins in the NCAA tournament, 44 yep. of his last 45, and the only loss was to that NC State team with David Thompson in double overtime, and that game was in Raleigh. It was essentially a home game for NC State. Otherwise, he would have had an absolutely unblemished record. So I will still make the argument that John Wooden is the greatest coach in college basketball history despite the era that he uh coached in i think if anything he had a bigger challenge in those days than they do today but it doesn't diminish in any what coach k has accomplished no, of course not yeah i, I just not. yeah uh i'll say this he's a better coach than dean smith i always thought dean was vastly overrated vastly uh, overrated I'll, I'll let you make that argument i don't i don't have enough uh information to do that other than coach k did it longer and won more championships i think that's the way to look at it right right um and obviously now this year specifically you're asking about this year i think it's anyone's game man i, I look arizona's second in the country i follow them the most of any of the top teams sure them and, the, and, and the bruins i mean some nights they look like they can't be beaten and they lose to colorado yeah, like get blown out, you know, in Boulder. So like, I I think it's it, it's it's really you know Gonzaga obviously had played really well until Mount St Mary's took them down at home in that high school gym they play in the Gales. Well, it's playing. not Mount St Mary's. It's uh, just sorry, just St Mary's. Mary. Mount yeah. St Mary's is a different school, <laughs> yes, right? Exactly. Um, so you know, just it's just like you know, it's it's anyone's game, which I think makes the tournament fun this year, because um, I think we could have. Uh, a plethora of of winners and that makes it obviously more fun for us to wager on to to, to watch and i'm looking forward i'm looking forward to it i mean I mean arizona gonzaga duke i mean would you be surprised if kentucky won the championship i don't think so no so there's, there's many different ways th this can go i'm excited to watch it absolutely and of course really this is the first uh what i call legitimate uh, tournament in three years i mean two years ago it was canceled last year the entire tournament was in one city indianapolis now we're going to start spreading them around like we normally have done in the past so we're going to get back to a uh, a legitimate tournament and by the way i know there's always these arguments about you know further expanding the tournament you don't have to that's no. why you have conference tournaments see the, the thing about college basketball and this is the true beauty of it with the conference tournaments with very few exceptions every single school no matter how i mean look at georgetown this year right oh and 18 in conference play Oh, and 18, they've lost 19 straight games think it's been a long year for patrick ewing at georgetown but you still have that chance in the conference tournament that you catch lightning in the bottle. You still have a path, and that's all you can ask. So when we talk about 
you know, expanding the NCAA tournament beyond 68 schools. You don't have to. That's because you got the conference tournaments. There's still a path seemingly for just about every single school to win a national championship, regardless of what has happened to the regular season. Yeah, and that's what makes college basketball so different than any other sport. Oh, right? Because I, I'm, I'm not sure we get the best team every year to win no. a championship. With, you know, this year's odd because it really, I don't think, is the best team. And Gonzaga, I guess, is part of the best team. Can I just jump in for a second, then I want you to continue. I mean, since 1982, since the yeah. year that Michael Jordan as a freshman hit the game winner against Georgia, since 1982, only five teams ranked number one in the nation in the yeah. AP poll going into the tournament have gone on to win the national championship. That's over, uh, how yeah. many, over 30 champions 36, I think, is five out of 36 number one ranked teams have actually won the national championship. And, and I think, you know, if Gonzaga were to play Arizona, they'd probably be a seven or eight point favorite, right? Mm-hmm. Baylor, probably a little closer. But I mean, they'd be favored over, over any of these teams. So they're still the, the best team. But again, will they win the championship? Maybe this is the year for that to happen. But again, back to the hope, right? You know, it just. You know, I, I'm obviously an Oregon alum. Oregon's not making the tournament unless we have help, which is we just went out the Pac-12 tournament. So every game in the tournament, the Pac-12 tournament, has a little more importance. The second we lose, that's it. Our season's over. Um, but, you know, you win four games in a row in Vegas. You're in the dance. You're feeling good about yourself. And your season kind of feels different than it was last. I mean, it was just a week ago, right? We Look, look at last season. Oregon State was about to get – their coach was about to get fired last year. Yep. They have a magical run through the the Pac-12 tournament. They win it. Then they go to the Elite Eight, and and they were 10 points away from going to the Final Four. They're 3-26 and right now. Right. This season. So lightning in the bottle happens, and it it, it turns a bad season to a magical season. Um, And this is what the tournament does better than any. There's no other sport that has this, right? Because, look, in the NFL, this is one of the first years we've had two four seeds, right? Normally, Mm -hmm. it's one or two seed. You know, in baseball, it's all the top-spending teams for the most part. College football, it's Alabama, Georgia, LSU, throwing throwing a Clemson every couple of years. But college basketball, that's the fun part about it. It feels like any team can win at any time. And this year especially – well, would, you, would you be surprised if UCLA won the title? No. No, like, I also wouldn't be surprised if they go one and done. I well, mean, that, a year too, ago. Either, I mean, either or, yeah. I mean, last year it looked like, first of all, they got a gift just to get in the tournament when the first four, they were getting blown out by Michigan State. It looked like, you know, why were we even selected? And they rallied to win the game. Next thing you know, they're a miracle shot away from the championship game. So, yeah, so um, it's, they it's could, crazy. They, with, with their experience and, and right. the talent they have, they, they haven't played a game in the last month with their entire starting five in the lineup. So, um, you know, and there's so many teams, they, they can just get hot and, and go on a run. It's going to make it a lot of fun come March Madness. Yeah, it's it's a crapshoot, but that's, that's what makes it beautiful. That's why they call it madness. All right, uh, much more on that, much more on – we've got to get uh, a, a little NFL M- – excuse me, NBA news I want to get into uh, here with you as well, Jeff. But right now, let's find out what's trending as we uh, – welcome back, uh, Mr. David Gascon. By the way, uh, I'm looking at uh, Iowa State, Iowa – and Northern Iowa, hmm. Iowa Sam, is three Iowa schools right now projected to be in the tournament. Ooh. Well, little update here. It's three Un- too many. Unfortunately, I'm here for the update. Oh, well, can I can I can I just give you a little Iowa minute here? Yeah. Uh, Northern Iowa won the Missouri Valley Conference. Wait, why are you talking so loud? I don't know. I'm very excited for March Madness. Yes. Oh, okay. um, 
Iowa, uh, Northern Iowa, it's won the Missouri Valley radio. Conference tournament. Or I'm sorry, the regular season. But they're getting blown out. But they're right going to lose to Loyal Chicago, and that might keep them out. It's good. Might mm-hmm. keep them out. But well, Iowa State and Iowa most likely so the, so going the tournament. What's going to do is going to it's going to knock someone else out because they're both going to get in. But Loyola was ah, Loyola well. was right on the bubble as an at-large team. They have I mean, a better like, record than Northern Iowa. Yeah, I saw win the tournament. Ontology said the last team in as a wild card was uh, Loyola Chicago. Of course, made their miracle run to the Final Four a couple years ago. Um, this yeah, could I mean, keep Northern Iowa out. I'm a little worried. Wow, does that Northern really matter Iowa to you? If have... Iowa and Iowa State are in. Uh, Iowa is definitely in. Iowa State should be in, even though they have a losing conference record. They've had a lot of good quad one wins this year. All right, very good. Uh, Northern Iowa might have a top 10 draft pick this year. How about that? Yeah. In the football. Wow. Who am I missing? Uh, Trevor Penning. Northern oh, wow. Iowa. Out right. of Northern Iowa. That's uh, me. Let's, uh, let's uh, saunter back to Mr. Gascon, yeah. please. We were frigy on his Sorry, time. Dan, it's bad Thank radio. You. No one wants to talk about the state of Iowa. Thank you. Like nobody. <laughs> Except me. Um... <laughs> Guys, uh, yeah, I mean, I obviously mentioned that with college basketball. Other games that are coming down the wire as well. Uh, Texas and Kansas, second half action. Uh, 11.37 to play in this thing. Kansas only up by a point over 21st-ranked Texas, 46-45. to 45. Uh, Up in Pullman, Washington, uh, the Cougars of Washington State are blasting Oregon, 57-39, to 14-10 to play in regulation there. Uh, a couple games that have now gone final. One of them included Auburn. They beat South Carolina by 11 points in that contest. Meanwhile, Fresno State and Wyoming, Cowboys up by seven in that affair, 50 to 43. Arizona 16 to eight over Cal. UConn by five over DePaul. That ball game is on Fox right now. Uh, NBA menu today, a lot of games to get to tonight anyway, but the news there was Zion Williamson returning back to New Orleans after doing some rehab on his foot. He was in Portland, but he's been cleared for basketball-related activities. So the clock and the watch is on for one Zion Williamson. We will find out soon enough about him. Um, what's the over/under on how many games Duke and Coach K win in the tournament? Two and a half. Uh, well, I mean, if they don't make the Sweet Sixteen, that, that will be rough. Yeah, if, if, if you were setting odds, you do two and a half. Sounds about right. That's right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's an over an elite, elite eight appearance, right? That's yeah. elite eight. It'll be over. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, if they go out before the Sweet Sixteen. He may decide, you know what? Did I say retirement? I can't go out like that. Yeah. I How do you know. feel about him requesting to be in Chicago? All right. Well, can I can I jump in about Coach K for a moment here? <laughs> and, and I don't want to be totally disrespectful because no, obviously he's he's on the Mount Rushmore, the greatest college please coach of all time. disrespectful as you like. Um, so my, my former partner here at Fox Sports Radio, Pat O'Brien, was a very close personal friend of Coach K. In fact, when I worked with Pat, we had Coach K on our show several times. I mean, he could literally pick up his phone, call Coach K, and he'd be on the air with us. Okay. All right. So that's, you know, how many people have that kind of access to Coach K? But we did. And interviewing Coach K was not easy. He was... If you went down a path that he wasn't comfortable with, he would shut you out. Um, Coach K is is a tough guy. He's not warm and fuzzy by any stretch of the imagination. He's a great coach. Um, but there's a reason why if you're not a Duke fan, you root against Duke. It's Coach K and just his demeanor. Uh, he's done a lot of great things in the game of basketball. His players are uh, fiercely loyal to him. But there's 
certain things. You remember that, what was it, 94 and 95 when he um, it, it wasn't a good Duke team and he had some physical problems and he had his assistant take over and he insisted as the team went into the tank that none of those losses are on his record? <laughs> I love, yes, I love it. Yes. Remember this? And and, and 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 the official record, it's never been done for any other and, coach, by the way. And no, and, and, that record, it says that year, his his record was 9-3. and three. And Even they, though they they had a terrible season, I've never seen a coach that had that kind of clout where he says, "Even though I am the head coach of the team, and I went on medical leave, so those losses do not count on my record." Did that happen a couple of years ago when he was out for the back surgery? Yes. <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, so, these guys but, are big egos. So petty. Uh, it, it really is. It's it, so it, petty. These are the kind of things that sort of infuriate me. And again, I no look, one of the greatest coaches of all time, no question about that. But these are the little things that if you're trying to say, but, "Gee, Duke really annoys uh, me," it really begins and ends with Coach K. Yeah, um, and some of the, yeah, I mentioned like the floor slapping right with their players. Their players are just kind of like annoying at times. Yeah, to watch and they play a certain style of basketball. And mm-hmm. look, these college coaches that have been at schools for so many years, they are, you know, they're royalty, right? So, well, that's no college one... basketball. The coaches are the stars of this sport. Easily, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt. You know, one and done kids, couple years, the kids come and go. The stars of college basketball by far are the coaches. Oh yeah, hundred percent, and that, that that's what gives them the ego, right? Because yeah. they're allowed to have the ego because they're they, they they have to because that's their job, and then you give them, of course, all the space to to be this way and yep. the power, and they're going to have egos. It's it's it, it's pretty likely to happen that way, and we see it by the way with more than just Coach K. Oh no, I mean Coach K is just one of many. I mean Bayheim's the same. Any any one of these guys. I mean John Thompson was this way at Georgetown. You go on and on and on with a list of these longtime coaches. I mean even Tom Izzo, who you know from the outside looking in seems harmless enough, but every once in a while he you know he went into this whole thing about the handshake and you know it's like you know you know. I mean, it would be bad for the game and all this, that, and everything else. And you're just like, you know, just, you know, Tom, just you know, go back to coaching. You know, just stay, stay where you are, and uh, and go there. But that, that's how we build up these college basketball coaches. I, I want to flip to the NBA briefly here and talk about the Lakers as they get ready to take on the Warriors. Do we, do, do we have to? I know. We... Uh, well, it's the, it's their latest loss coming up to the Warriors. The the Lakers have not won a game since the All Star break. Uh, each game gets worse. I mean, they. They give up 132 points to a Clipper team without Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, or Norman Powell, who they just acquired and went down with an injury after two games. This was Reggie Jackson going off for 36 points on the Lakers uh, as they are clinging, I mean barely clinging, to a play-in spot in the playoffs right now. Look, there's a lot of fans. We just talked about Duke basketball. How about Laker basketball? Either you're in or you're out, right? I mean, as much as they're fans of the Lakers, and I've been a lifelong fan of the Lakers growing up in Los Angeles, I know there are a lot of haters out there. They're just eating this up because not only is it the Lakers losing, it's LeBron losing. Um, When we look at the overall picture for this league, um, where does this sit with the NBA to have a Laker team with LeBron James as irrelevant as they are right now? Well, this will be a, a, a good test to for the people who claim that the NBA doesn't need LeBron James, right? Or mm-hmm. that, or that you know, LeBron James is, is 
a bum and blah, 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 all the people that hate on LeBron because he'll be out of the playoffs fairly soon. And so do all the young players around the NBA, and there are obviously some veterans on, on, on some of these teams, right? But are they enough to cover and carry the league if LeBron's not playing in, in these big games? We saw last year the finals um, ratings weren't, weren't terribly good compared to other sports, obviously, compared to NFL, nothing's good. Um, are they going to be good this year if it's uh, Phoenix and, and Brooklyn, not Brooklyn, Phoenix and Milwaukee again? Or uh, I think the Warriors are in there. People will, will, will tune in to watch the Warriors. But yeah, I think the NBA, this is the test we're going to find out. The Lakers are, if they lose the, the playing game and they're, and they're moving along, this will be the first year we'll see in a while that we just get no LeBron, no Lakers. I think it was what, three, four years ago, too, we, we had that as well. That was pre pandemic, though. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, think about this. Right now, your one seeds are the Heat and the Suns. If they were matched up in the NBA yeah, finals, no, no one would watch. Yeah, I mean, think about yeah. it, right? Miami but, Heat, but again, Phoenix Suns. But that's not. But he, it's not like NBA's fault because the NBA has lots of young talent. It doesn't have. A, it doesn't have LeBron, right? Now it has again. John Morant has been incredible the last the last week. I mean, obviously he's been incredible longer than that. But I mean, his ability to score and dunk and shoot it's it's great. We we see more of the Warriors as they get healthier. And how many people that don't follow the NBA know who John Morant is? Zero, because he plays in Memphis. Right. He's going to have to go somewhere else right. to get to get uh, some more love. Um, but especially the Lakers. I mean, look, they they mortgage their future for Anthony Davis and mm-hmm. LeBron and Westbrook. Westbrook is doing option like. Of course, he's going to pick up his option because he's going to pay him forty-seven million dollars. If he doesn't, he's not getting paid forty-seven million dollars anywhere else. <laughs> the Lakers are screwed next couple of years, but they did it themselves. They sold out for a second title, and it's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, they and they won the title again. LeBron, he he delivered what he was expected to do when he came to Los Angeles, win yeah, a championship on a team that had over the five previous years of him joining the Lakers, not just five state losing seasons. They had the worst record in the entire league over those five years. So he delivered a championship, but it's like signing a pack, signing a pack with the devil, right? What's the trade-off here? All right. Well, the trade-off is within a couple of years, you're going to be one of the worst teams in the league. And it's going to stay that way for quite a while. Would you tra- would you sign on the dotted line for one more championship? I, I, and they said yes. They got the championship. Yeah, Unfortunately, I, it was in the bubble. I think they wanted another one. They wanted two, is my guess. Sure. And obviously, a non-bubbled one would have been great. Yeah. Because there's always everyone's going to always talk about the asterisks, right? Yeah, on this on the always. bubble. Uh, interesting too. The 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 last two championships in Los Angeles for pro sports teams, the Lakers and Dodgers, both in the bubble. I'm I'm willing to discredit the Dodgers one though. That feels like easier to 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 discredit. Yeah, half third of a season. Like, come mm-hmm. on, get out of here. Oh, here we go. <laughs> San Francisco Giants. Y'all play a there. third of a season. The Giants have only won championships when they play a full season. Believe it or not, it's, it's okay to play a full season. By the way, the team that was formerly known as the Washington Redskins, eighty-two and eighty-seven, the two shortened years they won the Super Bowl both those years. Does it count? Uh no, if you can't if, if it doesn't count for one the Dodgers, was a nine game regular season, believe it or not, nineteen eighty two. The other year was the uh, they had fifteen games. The three of them were replacement games, so really it was only twelve legitimate games. And ironically, both those years, the then okay, that, Redskins won the championship. Twelve games is not. I mean, this is that'd be like playing. You'll be playing six NFL games if you're doing a right. third of a season. Like yeah. that's what that's what uh, the Dodgers did. <laughs> All, right, so Dodgers Danny, All right, so the Dodgers don't count. All right, all right. How many? Uh, you say the Giants? Well, I, okay, I I don't want to even get into baseball. We don't have any baseball right now, right? We talked to John Paul Morosi. He gave us some glimmer of hope. Maybe May first by the latest, right? 
Although I, I th- I'm with you. If I, did you see the Vegas over under on how many games will be played this year in Major League Baseball? No, what was out it? of 162, 120 and a half. That should be that's the, the, the Vegas over under 120 and a half. Well, by the way, you say 120. Uh, my buddy Rich Ornberger, he would like to just have it 60, like it was two years ago, permanently. He says that Only was 60. like the dream baseball season, like it was an all-out sprint for two months to get to the finish. Line. It, was, it was entertaining because uh, to that point, right? That was that was what it was. was yeah. It's, you know, you, you obviously you scheduled your pitchers differently and yeah. your off days differently because every game was almost felt more important than in 162. Right. And it was a two-month season, normally a six-month season. So you have a first month and second month, and you just skip the four months in between. Um, Well, we'll see how many games it's going to take. All right. On the other side, I want to get back to a little NFL news, including an interesting development with one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Coming up next. Steve Harvey, Jeff Schwartz, Fox Sports Saturday. If cold candidate calls aren't turning into hot hiring leads, Well, you need Indeed because Indeed's powerful hiring platform makes it easy to attract, screen, and interview candidates all for one place. Find your next great hire visiting Indeed.com slash credit. Um, When you talk about most valuable people in organizations, I mean, you got the players, you got the coaches, ownership. uh, Right near the top of the list are your capologists. Um, they got to figure out how to crunch the numbers to make things work. And we talk about teams that are currently over the cap, like we talked earlier about the Packers. Like, well, they're way over the cap. How can they re-sign Devontae Adams even with a franchise tag? There are ways if you have a creative capologist. But apparently the capologist in Dallas said, uh, no, uh, we can't uh, We can't do this. Uh, Amari Cooper is going to be cast aside. Um this is, a, this is a player, by the way, that is still not even 28 years of age. Uh, seven years in the league, three and a half with the Raiders. Of course, dealt uh, to the Cowboys for a top pick. Uh, now three and a half years with the Cowboys. There's still some meat left on the bone out there with Amari Cooper. Uh, what do you see happening here? How valuable is he? I was talking to Danny G and our resident Raider diehard. He wouldn't mind him seeing him back in a Raiders uniform. How do you think this is going to play out for Amari Cooper? Yeah, there's be 31 teams that would have won Amari Cooper, right? He's yeah. very young, as you mentioned, can still play. And this is a product of the Cowboys' failures to manage the cap, right? Yes. You gave Zeke, Zeke Elliott all this money. Yeah. And, I, and yet you can find money anywhere, right? Like, you, yeah. you shouldn't. But in the end, though, you shouldn't have to cut a productive wide receiver. And they're going to give Gallup a bunch of money. So they're cutting Amari Cooper to pay younger Michael Gallup, who's not as good, in my opinion, as Amari Cooper. Ugh. I, I just, I don't think the Cowboys are doing it right. And and that's unfortunate because I think they have a good squad around Dak Prescott. And now you're taking away one of his targets. And Dak Prescott's worse without him on the field. So you have C.D. Lamb now and Michael Gallup. Maybe they'll draft someone. Maybe they'll bring someone in free agency. Won't cost much to Mari Cooper. But, dude, if you're the, if you're the Packers, man, you, you want to keep Aaron Rodgers happy? Go get Amari Cooper. Like, right? Like, there's so many ways. And by the way, he's durable. Now, he missed two games last year with COVID. Um, but uh, before that, he'd only missed three games in his entire career. And, you know, the knock on him was he wasn't a hardworking guy. Again, when you dominate like he did in high school and at University of Alabama, uh, maybe you think that's going to go on forever. Obviously, a much different level at the NFL. But I would think you would get a pretty motivated Amari Cooper right now. 100%. I, look, I... 
I don't know why he would be motivated now in his career. Um, you know, there's a thought that when guys get paid, they stop being motivated. And I've actually found it to be the opposite, where guys who get paid feel they they owe to the, you know, owe it to the team and their teammates and the community to play well. And I feel Amari Cooper feels the same way. He wants to play well. Of course he does. He wants to get paid again. He wants to be in the Pro Bowl, be an All-Pro, and and say, hey, I helped my team win a championship. So wherever he goes, he'll be motivated to, A, to prove the Cowboys I can still play in the rest of the NFL, which I think he thinks anyways. But to win a championship, right? Like, to win a championship. That's what he is going to go somewhere to try to do. Again, I was looking at Bucky Brooks' uh, mock draft that he's got coming up here. He does not have a single running back in the first round. Yeah, are we ever going to see? A, would you ever take a running back in the first round? I would take one in the first round over signing one in free agency. So like, if that was my choice, the like late first round, okay, fine. Is but that just because also, they have a short lifespan? You want to yeah. get them as long as you possibly Look, can. Saquon, Zeke, Christian right. McCaffrey. How much? How much? How many playoff wins? Mm-hmm. We, are we getting on those guys? Clyde Jonathan Edward, Taylor. Taylor. Jonathan Taylor. No, he was a second-round draft pick. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. He was, yeah. Fine with that. Yeah, I mean, it's I, – I, I, I don't know. I think the day and age of a first-round running back have definitely come and gone. All right, we got much more coming up. Keep it here on Fox Sports Saturday. Very, very busy Fox Sports Saturday. Steve Harbin, Jeff Schwartz with you. And, yeah, we've done a little bit of everything so far today. Uh, I continue to watch guys running 40-yard dashes at the NFL Combine. Uh, One of the big stories today, Jeff, uh, was that, of course, Jordan Davis, the defensive lineman out of Georgia. By the way, he checked in officially at 6'6 and 3'8 inches. All right, 6'6 and 3'8. 341 pounds. He ran a 4'7'8'40. Yeah, Yeah. wild. 4.78 4.78 clocking. Fastest of any player over 330 pounds at the Combine since at least 2006. Now, by the way, I was checking this out. The fastest time ever by a defensive lineman checking in at more than 300 pounds was a couple of years ago. The immortal Khalil Davis out of Nebraska ran a 4.75. He ended up a six-round pick, and he's played three games total in two years in the NFL. So I'm looking at some of the projections here, getting back to our buddy Bucky Brooks. Uh, before today, he had uh, Jordan Davis projected as the 22nd overall pick. Uh, by the way, uh, Danny G, he has the Raiders taking him. Um, so, I mean, this this is a game changer today. I mean, it's an incredible feat for a man that size, obviously, to run the 40 yeah. at that time. Um, but we're talking about a run stopper. He's not a pass rusher. Uh, and that was – you remember briefly, Jeff, I actually had him in my top three Heisman list for a couple of weeks there, but there were no numbers. I mean, there was nothing there yeah. other than the fact that he was just clogging up the middle uh, on that Georgia defensive front. So so Can what I do explain, you do? Yeah, yeah. let me explain his value, uh, his value because it's, yeah. it's interesting. So, yeah, he's, he's not a, th- a three-down defensive lineman yet. Now he's working with – um, I believe Chuck Smith, who's one of the preeminent defensive line right. uh, pass rush guys out there, and so I'm curious to see, obviously, where that ends, you know, wh- where that puts him um, in the whole grand scheme of things. Um, but if it, it, the way teams play play defense now, they they run a lot of too high, right? So they have too high defenders, whether it's corners or, or cover two. And the reason they do that is with too high defenders, you can take away uh, the pass game better. And 
the vulnerability in that is the run game. And the best example is the Chargers, right? The Chargers had terrible rushing defense last season, right? And it cost them a lot down the stretch. They want to play too high. They prevent explosive plays in the passing game, but they can't stop the run. Guess who can really help with that? Jordan Davis, right? Mm -hmm. And so even if you're not rushing the passer, he can help to gap and help you stop the run, which goes from first and 10 to now second and eight, maybe, and not second and four, right? Or second and four is now third and two, not a first down. Like those, those plays throughout a game can make the difference at the end of a game. And that to me is why you would draft him in the first round. Even if you don't get the pass rush, you expect to get from someone drafted as high as he might go. The benefit of him being able to clog the middle to the structure of a defense is so valuable for a team like the Chargers that want to run a bunch of too high. It makes sense to want to, to, uh, to want to do that. Yeah, I, I'm looking at other numbers. Uh, you know, when we talk about these guys, especially in what we call the 330 club, uh, which is, you know, getting Don Terry Poe. You remember, you remember some of the numbers he put up? Oh, yeah. He put up some ridiculous numbers. Like, he, I think he did uh, the 225 bench press 44 times. He had a 34-inch vertical. He broke five seconds in the uh, the 40-yard dash. But I, I, getting back to Jordan uh, here, Davis, with the, with the numbers that he puts up with that speed, there's got to be a way to translate. As you mentioned, if you watch Georgia football this year with that great defense that they had, he, as you said, he wasn't an every-down lineman. I mean, for a guy that was first-team All-American, he didn't play that much. I mean, well, they're also just remember too; they're also up in a lot of games. He have to play this fourth I, quarter. I understand that, but games. even in in the big games against Alabama, there were times when he wasn't on the field. Um, but couldn't you make him more of a pass rusher? I mean, if he's that big and that quick. Even if it's over forty yards, I mean, there's there's got to be a way to translate well, yeah, that and then, to and that's why to he's make going... him more of a pass rusher and more of a yeah. dominant pass rusher in the middle. I mean, he would seem to just overpower, just run by people. Yeah, and that's what they hope to do. That's yeah. why he's going to pass rush guy. Just remember, in college, but he right, is you know, tall. I mean, we think of Aaron Donald; it is not a tall guy. Um, and I'm not going to compare anybody Aaron Donald, but I'm just saying it's six six and three eighths. Is he too tall? From that inside position to be no, a dominant no, rusher, no, not at all. Um, it's about obviously you know leverage and pad level, right. which, And explosiveness, which he has. We talked about how quick he gets off the ball, right? Boom, boom, yeah. And that that one point, uh, what do you do? One seven or one six eight, ten. For example, uh, just for reference point, Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau, the two top defensive ends, just have run, right? And they both were at one six two for the first ten. Jordan Davis. At 340 pounds, Aiden Hutchinson is about 265, I think. Mm -hmm. KT is 254, 1.62 for both those guys. So you have a guy who's 80 pounds more than you running nearly the same 10. It's pretty impressive for for, for Jordan Davis. So do so you predict? I mean, is I mean, are we going to see this guy shoot up the charts because of what happened today? I, I people are saying maybe the Ravens are the highest he goes at 14. I think they're at 14, probably. Um, that's probably about where where he goes, I would imagine. Do you believe that the highest, Jack, I say. if 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 Jacksonville passes on the edge guys and goes with Evan Neal, the big offensive tackle out of Alabama, who by yeah. the way physically, and when you saw him strip down, you're like, he is he that big? Um, because yes. he looks built. 
you know, when you think of these big offensive linemen checking in at 350 plus, I mean, this guy is really. And by the way, he got himself into that condition. He wasn't always that way when he came to Alabama. He really worked hard to get himself in great condition. But when you see that guy, you're saying, oh, yeah, well, you got Trevor Lawrence. You got to start with that tool, you know, a left tackle that's going to protect him for the next decade. So Evan Neal um, was 400 pounds in, in high school. Yep. At IMG, he went to he went to Alabama. He's now well, he had been working out in Dallas with my buddy Duke Mannyweather. Who right? My, my buddy Duke's going to have three first on off of tackles. Pretty wild. Uh, he's got Charles Cross, Trevor Penning, and, and Evan Neal as well. And yet he was able to get him uh, slim down even more. He was 337. He looked like he was. 275. Yeah. Um, this is a, you know, this reminds me of the 2013 draft. You had Eric Fisher go one. Yep. You had, jo- you had Lane Johnson go six. Justin Pugh, I think, went 13 ish that year. Could we have the top five picks all linemen this year? Offense, defense alignment? Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I've unless, seen some projections yeah. that actually have that. Unless, obviously, a team wants a quarterback badly, they move up to get one, right? But do they have um, to move up? I mean, again, when you look no, at the but, top of the draft, Jacksonville doesn't need a quarterback. I don't think Detroit's going to take a quarterback at two. Uh, Houston, again, the, these edge guys are going to go off the board. Jets don't need a quarterback. Giants at five. I mean, you know, I guess that's the big question. There's not a quarterback. I, should, I would just – I'd work on getting better off of defensive lines. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's some really intriguing names up there. Now, as a former lineman, you love this, of course, right? I mean, uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it, we always say it starts in the trenches, but everyone goes for the star power, right? But when you when you look at teams that seem to put the pieces together yeah. in a proper way, they never de- yeah. neglect getting and, the guys in the trenches. And and what's wild too is that this year. This class is not as good as the top of last year's class, which was Panay Sewell and Rashawn Slater. Mm-hmm. And it's not as good, in my opinion, as the class two years ago. The Andrew Thomas, Tristan Wirfs, um, you know, that uh, Tragic Wills class, right? Makai Becton class. Like, there's just, there's a lot of, of, um, of talent in that last two drafts. Now, this these guys are good, but Evan Neal has a couple flaws, and Icky has a couple flaws, Charles Cross has a few flaws, Trevor Penning has some flaws. They're not as polished as the guys that came in a couple years ago, and they might be drafted higher. That, that just tells you that the draft every year, is it, it, it's not always indicative of who's the best. It's where you're drafting, who's available, what your draft needs are. What you know? How you want to build your team up? And uh, oh, poor guy just hurt himself. Oh, I hate seeing this on the combine when guys hurt themselves. That's not good. Um, and uh, and so again, these guys aren't. I wouldn't say better than the guys last year, but they might go higher than them. By the way, uh, Sam, I got good news for you. Uh, according to our dear friend Bucky Brooks in his mock draft, the Chargers that would be the Los Angeles Chargers to play down the street from us here with the seventeenth overall pick. Take. Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa, first round, to be their new right. right tackle. There you go. You know, I rubbed off on Bucky Brooks quite a bit over the last couple of years because Bucky and Jonas would always do a show when usually Iowa or Iowa State were playing football. Right. And I'd try to get on Northern Iowa games, too, if I could. And uh, I would always do my Iowa Minute. And so I think it, it really uh, – I shined a light on Brees Hall and this other gentleman as well. Well, I mean, so. when you got Rashawn Slater on one side, uh, Jeff, not a bad idea to get a yeah. uh, bookend uh, right tackle, right? Oh no! And Trevor Penning, man, he's he's a treat. I was I was down in Dallas with uh, with him for my show. Uh, he's a he's a freak, man. He 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 took a basketball. He's three twenty five. He ran a four 
eight nine yesterday. Um, just a big old meathead. He's fun, dude. He's just a fun lineman. So you he, think that would be if they, if he's sitting on the board at seventeen? You're the Chargers right now. That would be a good choice. Be a fantastic choice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, him or Jordan Davis? Like I think you have to show up the lines mm. for the Chargers. Your number one priority is to suddenly get one you of those got two Jordan guys. Davis four seven eight. No, not six, suddenly. Six. People have been mocked him to the Chargers for a while now. Yeah, it's just I think that him going seventeen was like ah, but I think after today mm. it's like oh well, okay, it makes makes more sense. Um, yeah, the Chargers again. There's there's always this 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 debate right in in the draft process. Is it best player available, mm-hmm. position of need, or combination of both? Right. I think it's a little bit of both, especially if you're drafting in the upper end of the first round, middle of the first round, right? The Chargers have a specific need, offensive line and defensive tackle right now, right? In, in the early rounds, they need to address those. But if if all the big tackles are gone, right, if if, all, if they're all gone, then you take a, a D tackle, right? The D tackles are gone, take an offensive tackle. If both are gone, in my opinion, you don't, you don't reach for that. You're not good enough as a team to reach for a player mm. Take, take that player later, right? Just take the best player on your board and make your overall team roster better. But if you are, think of who's in the first round that, you know, that just had a bad year, and you think it's a very specific need. You know, if you are, you're the Dolphins, right? Like, you must take an offensive lineman, right? Like, you do not have a choice. If you overdrafting him, who cares? You must take an offensive. If you're the Giants with five and seven, you must take an offensive defense alignment. You do not have a choice. Even if you're overdrafting someone by 15, 20 slots, you know, if, if Kayvon Thibodeau and and Aiden Hutchinson are gone at five and seven, take an offensive tackle and take and take the defensive end from Purdue. Done. Or take a defensive tackle from Georgia. There's two of them that are really good. Done. Like, yes, those guys should not be the seventh pick in the draft, but at this point, you need those positions in the worst way. Go out and get them. By the way, speaking of the draft, we're brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. Every game, match, race, and competition, it is always on. No one does sports like Vegas, and the excitement is endless. So make sure to plan your trip today at visitlasvegas.com. Now, this April 28th through the 30th, Vegas will be hosting the 2022 draft, an event that will be unlike any other with unparalleled energy and excitement that only the greatest arena on earth can deliver. Now, the best part is, Through March 13th, we're giving away a trip for two to be a part of the energy and excitement. That's right. You and a lucky person of your choice can win a trip to Las Vegas during draft weekend, April 28th through the 30th, sponsored by the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority. The prize package includes round trip airfare to Vegas, hotel stay on the Strip, access to the Fox Sports Radio's draft broadcast, and much more. To enter and get rules, visit foxsportsradio.com. That's foxsportsradio.com. Radio.com to win a trip to Vegas during draft weekend. On the other side, we're going to check in with a man that's in Indy. Our Fox Sports Radio NFL insider, Adam Kaplan, will join us next. Steve Harbin, Jeff Schwartz. This is Fox Sports Saturday. All right, let's check in with the man. Who's there? Who's there? In Indy, 18 years in a row, he has dominated the scene there at the NFL Combine, our Fox Sports Radio NFL Insider, Sirius XM NFL's Adam Kaplan. So, Adam, what's a bigger story coming out of the Combine? A quarterback with really small hands, a really, really big man that could break 4'8 in the 40. What's a bigger story? You know what's you know funny you say that? Because I had... Uh... I had lunch with a couple of personnel people who said this is the most athletic offensive line group he's seen in years. One of the guys said they don't look, they don't. Sometimes they look a little sloppy, but uh, no, they they were pretty pretty impressed with the guy the way the guys ran. 
And yeah, look, the, the you know you mentioned the Kenny Pickett story. Yeah, no question. We knew coming in was going to be an issue. You know, people like to blow it up. I mean, the, the hands are actually smaller than anticipated. Believe it or not, eight and a half, which is unbelievably small. But it's not going to make a difference. He's going to go in the middle of the first round. That's where I always thought he would go. That'll happen. He should. That sh- he shouldn't get past sixteen or seventeen area. Who's, who's another quarterback that uh, comes out of, of the combine with some pub? Is that Malik Wills? Is there another guy that that shine that teams might take a, a flyer on earlier than we expected? Yeah, a couple things. So let's talk about Malik Willis. Malik Willis is kind of seen as as a project. He's a guy who played at Liberty, small school program. He was a senior ball invitee. I was there. He threw the ball extremely extremely well. In fact, he's probably the strongest arm of the quarterbacks that were here this week. Uh, Carson Strong from Nevada's had his right knee surgically repaired within twice within six months of each other. So, getting a medical update on him is pretty strong. I mean, pretty important here for him. He's got to come out of the situation, hopefully feeling better than he was coming in in terms of the medical. But yeah, I would say Willis is a guy who helped himself just for people to get in front of him. It's not just the throwing. You knew he'd throw the ball well, but the tape is the tape. He's got a long ways to go. He's probably the farthest to, you know away from the top quarterbacks to be ready to play next season. Then my guy, the guy that I thought really did well is Desmond Ritter uh, from Cincinnati, who was a senior ball invitee. I thought he had a good week there. Uh, pretty athletic guy, good arm, not in the lead arm, good, not not as strong as Willis, but he, he's now he's the guy who benefited from the throwing exhibition because you could see who, uh, the live arm strength that was important for him. Whereas in I think in Mobile, guys, it rained the, just about the entire week, and there wasn't there wasn't a lot of clear weather. Uh, here now, I get it. Routes against air, you shouldn't go overboard here, but you could see the ball snap out of his hands. So I'm looking at a lot of these mock drafts right now, Adam, and I'm seeing when we talk about the Jags, Lions, Texans, Jets, and Giants at the top of the draft, everyone's got linemen going top five, either offensive, or defensive linemen. Can you can you see any non linemen breaking into that top five right now? Oh, yeah. Uh, cornerback, Sauce Gardner is uh, by far the best corner for this draft out of the University of Cincinnati. He won't get past probably seven. Could he go in the top five? Sure. I understand that corners typically don't go that far high up. I, I get it. But when you're an elite player at, at a premium position like cornerback, you're going in the top ten and, again, perhaps top five. Remember the name Sauce Gardner. What a great nickname, which he got as a kid. But uh, he is a very gifted player. You don't see a lot of University of Cincinnati players go up high these days, but He's a guy that a lot of personal people are really high on. He's definitely at the top corner for this draft. Yeah, so many intriguing storylines coming out of Indy, but I think the one that obviously we've heard the most of from people that, that cover this event is the possibility of this event leaving Indianapolis. And I would argue that it should not leave Indianapolis. It's a great city to host this event. Everything is centrally located. You can walk everywhere. Uh, yep, you can sure. you go eat out every night everywhere. Um, what are the chances, I think it feels fairly highly, this, this event is moved? Yeah, Jeff, unfortunately, I felt this for last year that this was going to be the last year, at least for the near future. It'll move next year. It's the first year that, that it could move, and it will move. Um, and I know that Indy's put in a bid, L.A., Dallas, and some other cities, but the league is kind of treating this like the draft. They like it to move. They like to benefit from that from a PR standpoint, um, is, from what, a television what PR, standpoint. Everyone, but, you could put it in, in Alaska. People would watch it. What, what, I know. That's the point. Listen, I'm, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just telling you what they think. Believe me, I talked to the, the league about this this week. They like the belief that if you move it and you put it in a different area, particularly whether it's in Dallas and that and that uh, that venue there, we're in Jerry World, so to speak. Uh, but here's the thing, though, that we need to understand. Um, and you, Jeff, you just talked about it. The reason why there's not an NFL personnel person who doesn't want an Indy. The reason is you don't need a car. 
you, it's everything's within a couple blocks. And by the way, you're not going to believe this. Today in, in India, it's 75 degrees in Indianapolis. Right. It's ridiculous. But the, not that they'll ever have the workouts outside. But yeah, they, the league just wants it to be moved. Uh, when this this dropped a couple years ago, I remember we were talking about it here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm like, it's going to move. I'm telling you. When, when they decided that they're going to take bids, that they're telling you they're giving the answers to the test. It's going to move. Now, it doesn't mean it won't be back. Uh, but it's you know could be in a rotation, and it's just really disappointing. I agree with your assessment. It's it's perfect. There's really again, you don't need a car. Everything is within walking distance. And uh, by the way, over the last five or seven years, they put a lot of indoor walkways. So most of the time, you don't have to go outside, particularly when it's bad weather. And personal people love that. Uh, I we always seem to talk about guys, uh, Adam, that you know wow a few people at the combine, but. Uh, give us some of the uh ohs, you know, like guys that came in like uh oh, there's 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 well, a problem here. I, yeah, I, I just think when here's the thing though, just to give you a general answer on that one, when guys don't run well here, okay, they've got their pro day to run. It's the guys who don't run here and then they don't do well at the pro day, then it becomes a problem. Now, because we're you're more or less out of the COVID issue for now, uh, these players where we didn't have. We didn't have the pre-draft visits. We're going to have pre-draft visits. We should have pro days this year. You know that that's there's no reason for them not to have it. Uh, we didn't have all of them last year, but we had some. Then we're going to have them all this year. Now the good stories is that now I understand the track is. We should make this point, guys. The track in India is faster. This is the way personal people see it. And the running backs, six of them ran in the four threes, which is the first time ever this has happened. Uh, I, I think this is you know personal people will tell you. The track is so fast at Indy here sometimes. And by the way, at certain schools, they notice a trend of the times being faster. Um, it's some of the running backs that ran in the four, mid 4.5s four who need to run better, so they'll have to run at their pro day. Whereas, again, if you run well here, you could rest on that and not work out your pro day. That's the, that's the benefit of running here is that even if you don't do well, you've got another chance to do it. Adam, it's been about three hours since the last Aaron Rodgers news. When's the time he's going to send out the, the next text we have to talk about Aaron Rodgers on NFL Network? Yeah, so, so yeah, so, so here's kind of my understanding of this. So I, I, I've kind of said this, and I'm not going to back off. I believe he wants to play. I, I just do. Um, now the question is, will he exercise his right via the, the contract language to ask for a trade? They have to do it. The, the, the way that the revision was to their con- his contract list uh, late last summer was if he decides that he wants to be traded, they have to do their best to move him. Uh, we, I still, it, it, these, uh, whether Russell Wilson gets traded or not, I know the Seahawks have told people they don't want to trade him, but the going rate is going to be th- three first-round picks and, and potentially then some, for, even for Rodgers, an older guy. Um, the question is, though, you know, here's kind of why I believe his agents have been working behind the scenes to see if there's anything out there. Well, there will be out there, but get him the contract that he wants. If Rodgers is not happy with what the Packers' final offer is, and he'll have that final offer within the next 10 to 14 days, that's when I think the, the alarm goes off. He says, I want out. That's, I think that's probably going to be part of the situation. All right, well, let's take it the next step on this one, Adam, because there are reports out there that the Titans, Steelers, and the Broncos have already presented their trade packages for Aaron Rodgers with the permission of the Packers to see what is actually out there. So, I mean, boy, I mean, when we look at the Tennessee Titans, you're the one seed 
with Ryan Tannehill. You put Aaron Rodgers in there. Oh, that's right. Aaron Rodgers haven't been in a Super Bowl in over a decade. Um, no, we were talking earlier about this, Adam. I mean, if you're the Packers right now and you want to re-sign Devontae Adams, they insist that Devontae's situation is completely separate of Aaron Rodgers. We don't know if Adams is thinking that way, but they, they feel that way. Um, haven't you seen enough in Aaron Rodgers? I mean, if you really get a blow away three number ones, you did draft a quarterback in the first round. I recall mm-hmm. Jordan Love. Don't yep. you feel like you have enough pieces in place? Maybe you take a slight step back for a year, but maybe it is time to turn the page on Aaron Rodgers and the headaches he gives you if you get a reasonable return on a trade. They've really, Steve, as I understand, they really don't want to do that. They feel like they're in a good place with Rodgers uh, in terms of the relationship, with the, particularly with the general manager, which was terrible before last year. Uh, that's why he was so miserable. Uh, one of the biggest reasons why uh, was because of his relationship with the GM. And then, of course, they drafted him in love, which surprised him. But in the way that was handled, where he just found out basically after the draft, but right during the draft that they're going to draft a quarterback. But, look, if you move this thing forward here, my understanding is, uh, I feel pretty 100% of this, that the Broncos would have traded for Rodgers last year. They would have given up a farm. Uh, George Payton, the GM, would have. Obviously, he was from Minnesota. He was with the Vikings for well over a decade. And, uh, you know, he, he, he knows playing the same division how great Rodgers is. And he, he wants to make a big splash move. In fact, he went on the record to talk about how aggressive they were going to be. Well, believe me. Uh, and then you got Nate Hackett, who, who's the head coach now, was the OC with Green Bay for a short period of time. So, uh, yeah, it all lines up. Uh, now, the Dolphins, here's the problem with that one. Ryan Tannehill, I know that's out there from Pro Football Talk in terms of the Titans. Ryan Tannehill signed for two more seasons. He's coming off of a very disappointing finish. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder with him. I'm sure if the Titans got heavily involved in this, they could find someone to take his contract. Uh, he's making $29 million this season, uh, which is uh, fully guaranteed, so you couldn't move on with him without him. But I, I do believe the Broncos are real, and also the Steelers. I, I'm told that they do have interest in him. Um, in fact, uh, the Steelers are yet another team, folks. If, if, if we go through all the teams that need quarterbacks, I mean, this is what John Lynch talked about when they were talking about, he was on the record talking about Garoppolo this week in terms of his, his uh, trade value. He, he did say a lot of teams need quarterbacks. This, is a, this might be an historic year for the amount of teams that need quarterbacks. Last question from me. Uh, as we approach for agency, we're going to start getting some of these surprise cuts. Uh, Amari Cooper, I don't know if much of a surprise, but it was announced he's probably going to be let go. <clears throat> Excuse me. Is there is there someone on the radar that, that you've heard from in, uh, in, in Indianapolis that might be a, a surprise release in the next couple of days? Well, those are going to be here. Jeff, as you know, as a former player, this is what happens. So these a lot of these players, because we have so much more cap space, that's why – this is probably the lightest amount of veteran cuts that I've seen within two weeks from free agency. I mean, usually we have like 15 to 20. We've only had like four or five it's because so many teams have really good cap space. Now, what you're going to see is the Saints may have to cut some players. They're usually up against the cap. They're probably the one team of all of them that's, that's going to have to do some things. Um, the Chiefs uh, with uh, Frank Clark. That's a, that's one that you, you mentioned that they have to. They're taking a hard look at his contract. Oh, I'm going to give you another one here. He's being he's he's available, and that cor- it's the corner, um, James Bradbury, who has an unbelievable cap number. In fact, I will look that up as we speak here. James Bradbury two years ago was one of the best corners in football. He he dropped off. Um, he's on the final year of his deal, and his cap number is ridiculous, just under 22 million. 
which is unacceptable for a corner. And this is the final year of his deal at $13.4 million base salary cap number, just under $22 million. Uh, to my, my understanding is he's available, so that would be that would be a big name, and he would have a big big market if he would if he happened to be released. All right, final thing here uh, for those that are questioning Kenny Pickett because of his hand size, the largest hands ever measured for an NFL quarterback, Jim Drunkenmiller, who was the 26th overall pick in the '97 draft. The 49ers are convinced it was going to go from Montana to Steve Young to Drunkenmiller. <laughs> his career lasted all of six games. In the NFL, six games. So uh, the big hands, not the deciding factor, Adam. Not the deciding factor. No, and remember, we should mention Kenny Pickett always wears gloves. And if you've ever watched him, he wears gloves on both hands, not just one. And uh, he did that in Mobile, but even in the rain. He actually threw the ball fairly well in the rain. So I, I, he's going to be fine. He's going to be a mid-first-round pick. And I would also tell you, not every team has a first-round pick on him. I've talked to at least five or six teams who have a two on him. So, But listen, it's a, it's a quarterback-driven league. He's going to go fairly high. All right, Adam, as always, tremendous stuff. Enjoy the rest of your stay in Indy. All right, guys, I will talk to you next week. Adam Kaplan our Fox Sports Radio NFL Insider. Let's find out what's trending right now. Welcome back. Mr. David Gascon, hand size, not to be questioned. No, but my digits are all screwed up, bent, twisted. Look at those hands. Are they small hands? No, they're not small. They're (laughs) just banged up. They're mangled. Mangled. Are yours pretty bad, Jeff? Uh, no. I have one that's crooked, but otherwise I'm pretty good, actually. How's the middle fingers? I tape my fingers together when I played. Did you? Did you go yeah. middle to index, or did you go middle to ring? No, middle to index, ring to pinky. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, Ornberger's got one of those, like, pinkies that's going sideways. I don't have it. Not, it's not that bad. It's just I dislocated it in, in high school. It's a little gross. Do you, bad. um, did you lock your, your thumb with your wrist? Did you tape it from wrist to thumb? I wore actual hard cast on my right thumb, and I wore a uh, piece of, like, fiberglass thumb cast on my other hand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, before we go any further, uh, Mr. Gascon, yes, sir. Uh, Iowa Sam has Sucks. a question for you. Oh, what, Iowa? Um, do you know anything about I, – I see these commercials that John Elway is in, and he's got this condition called uh, – do Pytrin's contracture? Is that from playing football? Do you know anything about that? Why don't you Google it? <laughs> it's also known as Viking. I am right now. Vikings disease. Well, he's your guy, John Elway. What yeah. the hell does that have to do with anything? I, it's, it's, his fingers are all he's mangled. He's got car dealerships. Why don't you ask me about his cars? Vikings disease. Uh, yeah. Hand disability. Oh, jeez. Yeah. You, right. you really uh, just genetic. interjected your voice in a national yeah. show. You're talking about mangled hands? Talk about, I did talk about your friendship with John Elway. I, you know, I mean... I think he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, but it has nothing to do with his health conditions right now. I don't think it had anything to do with playing football. I think this was a, a, just like a <laughs> I mean, Is there anything else that, that you want to talk about? I'm just curious. It, it seemed like a perfect juncture to talk about this. Yes, yes. I mean, perfect. We're talking about Jeff's fingers, and all of a sudden we're talking about John Elway. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> he's your guy. Is there anything else? That's Northern it. Iowa, Iowa State, Iowa. No. Yeah. I mean, Iowa hasn't won a national title in like 40 years. <laughs> is, is there an Iowa Wesleyan? I like Wesleyan. Yeah, there is. Yeah. 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 Yep. They've had some good players go through. Anyways. All right. That's enough. Shut up for now. Just kidding. Uh, Guys, number two, Arizona up by 14 over Cal, 57 to 43. It's in the second half. UConn leading DePaul by 11 points, 60 to 49. This ballgame is on Fox as it stands. Uh, Baylor and Iowa State are playing right now. Well, at least Baylor is 27 to 4. 
is the score in this ball game. This kind of reminds me of uh, was it Thursday night when the Clippers outscored the Lakers forty to eighteen mm-hmm. in that third quarter? That wasn't pretty. Um, earlier today, Kentucky won. Duke and North Carolina are actually underway right now. Tar Heels up by a point. Kansas in overtime beat Texas seventy to sixty three was the final tally in that ball game. Number five, Auburn wins the SEC. They beat South Carolina by eleven points, and then Purdue escapes unranked Indiana sixty nine to sixty seven. Um, Jeff, did you, well, when you played back in the day, were you allowed to, I don't know, high school coaches, but were you allowed to wear tape or to spat or to do anything like that? That was, typically? we didn't have, we didn't have a trainer in high school. So you had to bring your own tape if you wanted to get spatted. No, were you allowed to wear black tape or were you only allowed to wear white tape? Uh, I don't, no one wore tape in high school. Oh, okay. Did you wear a neck roll or a cowboy collar? No. No. I spat on my ankle after I sprained it. That was it. But my O-line coach taped it for me. Nice. I had to bring my own box of tape to practice and games. At what age did you reach 250 pounds, Jeff? Probably 15. Oh, man. 15. Yeah. Did you reach it faster than your brother did? Probably, yeah. Yeah. If it makes you feel any better, Iowa Sam hit that at 28. (laughs) (laughs) 215? 250. Uh, I haven't hit 250 yet. Are you sure? Thank goodness. Yeah. Uh, Did you see him in his tightly fitted uh, tux at Gavin's wedding? Yeah, you did. He was at the wedding, and he was sending me rounds of pictures every five minutes. Because I wanted to include you. Yeah. I mean, probably should have included me as a guest in the wedding. Oh, that wasn't my call. uh, Not just hanging out here while you're hungover and drunk in between (laughs) uh, dances. It was was. a lot of fun and i did look great in my tux i gotta say he said was, there weren't a lot of females though yeah. at this wedding it, it was still a lot of fun but yeah it was just about it was not a wedding crash so hitting the open bar so how do you know you look good in your tux um because i've had other tuxes in the past i've been in multiple weddings as groomsmen and i never look good in tux i have weird shaped hips and in this case i looked awesome i thought you have, you have birth bearing <laughs> hips i guess so yeah i got yeah. kind of like bow i'm kind of bow legged all right <laughs> um, Jesus. Uh, okay. Gotta I, go. Okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. On the other side, uh, as you know, we like to wrap things up on this show. We're getting some of Jeff's thoughts on uh, best bets, uh, maybe some of the games today in college basketball. But on the other side, Jeff, odds on when the baseball season begins. Ooh, okay. I'm going to give you some numbers. You're going to find out what the best play is. Coming up next. Steve Harvey, Jeff Schwartz, Fox Sports Saturday. Hiring heating up. Indeed's hiring platform makes it easy to attract, screen, and interview candidates all in one place. Sponsor a post and instantly receive a short list of quality candidates on Indeed whose resumes match your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. I want to thank the guys. It was a reuniting. Like, our, our actual crew is here. I mean, these guys have been taking time off for a variety of reasons, starting with Iowa Sam. Uh, are you going to be here for a while, or are you uh, checking out again? I should be here for a couple more months. Mm. Thinking about buying that tux, though. Really? Fit like a gym. Wow. You'll have a lot of use for that. No question. I'll go on uh, dates in that thing. Well, maybe Gascon's wedding. Is he on the short list of potential best men? Hell no. David. Okay. I'm just no. wondering. Worst that. men. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right you need to shave, get a haircut, do mm-hmm. some cardio, lift yeah. some weights, <laughs> eat better, don't drink as much, mm-hmm. sleep more. Sound advice. Stress. I sleep plenty, though. Mm-hmm. Do you guys got any advice for me? I'm heading to Austin in a few days. Austin, Texas. I yeah. love First Austin, time. Texas. Great city. Yeah. I mean, great. It, it's it's such a departure from most of the state of Texas. Jeff, you know this. I mean, it's it's not Dallas. It's not Houston. It's yeah. not San Antonio. It's about an hour away from San Antonio. No, it's a, it's a great 
Uh, I mean, obviously, the University of Texas there. It's the state capital, but oh, no, that's a great place. Is it? No. A lot of fun in Austin. So, Jeff, any recommendations? I've not been to Austin, no. Oh, um, right. I'd love to go and just eat the barbecue, but uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, good barbecue anywhere in I have, Texas, I have, that's for sure. I have not been. I'm sorry. That's I wish I could help you out there. Uh, Danny G, of course, uh, our Raider resident, and uh, have we've done a lot of talk about the Combine. Anybody catch your eye for the Raiders in the upcoming draft? I like what Jeff was talking about earlier with Jordan Davis. Yeah, if he falls in your lap, that would be a pretty good pick. Actually, Bucky Brooks has him going to the Raiders. Uh, we talk about a run-stopper extraordinaire. All right, um, any, any, before I get to these odds on when the baseball season's going to begin, uh, any thoughts like uh, USC-UCLA game tonight? Any games that you sort of like to play tonight? So I'm going to my first soccer match of my life in about 30 minutes. As soon as we wow. get done with this, I'm actually calling my Uber now. I'm Ubering mm-hmm. down to the stadium, meeting my family. It's the first ever home game for Charlotte FC. They're their brand new team. Mm-hmm. They're, they're Supposedly, they say it's sold out. It's completely sold out. The highest attended soccer game of all time. Uh, MLS game of all time. I'd imagine that uh, next weekend when they play, it will be far less. But nonetheless, I'm going to... I'm, I'm debating whether or not I should wager on the game. I'm not really sure how to wager on soccer. But uh, Charlotte FC is not very good. We'll play the Galaxy tonight. I think the Galaxy are pretty good. And so I should probably wager against... Uh, CFC, but then I'm at the game rooting for us to lose. So I, I feel like that's a bad thing to do. Or should well, just bet well, the underdog. Like you're going against your home team. We're really bad. Like wow. I've been told right. by a lot of people that like we'll be lucky to score any goals this season. So, so you'll so, actually make a wager against your home team. Well, or just take, or I mean, should I just sure take money, or or should I just go straight mm. Charlotte FC money line to win the game? That's what I should do, right? Just root for them to win. Why not? Uh, by the way, I'm watching the Duke-North Carolina game. Obviously, they had a huge pregame for Coach K's last game there at yeah. Cameron. Everybody's there. I mean, literally, like, every Duke uh, player. Jerry Seinfeld ever and Adam Silver sit next to each other. Yeah, Adam Silver, Jerry Seinfeld, all the Duke alums. Saw Reddick out there. A lot of the uh, Duke guys are out there. Right now, that game is North Carolina leading 26-23, uh, seven and a half minutes I, ago in the first I, half. I just bet $10 mm. on Charlotte FC to win the game outright, plus Look 180. Look at you. Yeah. All right, so now, I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go there and win this money. It's going to pay for dinner tonight. All right. I got some odds for you on when opening day will be, what month opening day will be for Major League Baseball. Are you ready? So listen to the odds and then make your choice. The leader of the pack at plus 175, May. At plus 200, June. At plus 250, July or later. At plus, hold on. Hold on. So May is plus 175. June is plus 200. July or later, plus 250. No season, plus 500. Get this. April, plus 550. That's the biggest odds on the board. Even bigger than no season at all is opening day in the month of April at plus 550. Yeah, I I would take that. Plus 550. Any point in April? Any point of April, plus yeah, 550. It, it, it has to be plus 550. I, I'm with you. April's, April's, the, April's the best wager on the board there. Are you? I, I mean, would you have set the odds like that? Because I, I keep getting back to Jackie Robinson Day, right? April 15th, 75th anniversary celebration. Major League Baseball had big plans for Jackie Robinson Day. They're going to pass on that? I mean, so that we actually get bigger odds on April than no season at all. 
Interesting. I think it gets worked out next week or so. They, they they want the players want to play, obviously, and the owners. I think the backlash has been pretty fierce the last couple of days. I gotta agree with you. I I just keep thinking, and and by the way, when when they say canceled games, not really. I mean. Again, this whole lockout situation, understand this, this is much different than 94-95. That was a strike. Right. I mean, you could say it's a work stoppage. They're not the same. Strike is the players. Lockout is the owners. So the owners are in control right now. They want to keep it that way. That's why they want to extend the lockout as, as much as possible. But the idea of canceling games, they lose. I mean, the Padres alone, their first six scheduled games, the first two series are all home games. You think about it, you want to lose six home games? No. Um, so those games could be made up. But, yeah, plus 550 are the odds that opening day will come in the month of April. That sounds like pretty good odds for you, Jeff. That, that's a, I, I, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, May's the favorite, then June, then July or later, and there's April at 550. Very, very good. Um, all right, uh, final thoughts on what uh, you've seen from the Combine. Any real game changers for you? Um, Jordan Davis. I mean, I just think that the, the, the guys this year are so much bigger, faster, stronger, man. It is absolutely wild. It really is. Each year, I mean, each year they get bigger, faster, stronger. 341, 66, and 38s, and he runs a 478. Yes. Four, seven, eight. How will that wow. translate into an NFL career? All right, Jeff. Well, I know next week we'll have much more to talk about, including countdown to the March Madness. Love it. For all your sports intake, keep it right here on Fox Sports Radio.